Welcome into episode 13 of the Cinematic Comic Verse podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Davis. I'm joined by Corey and Ryan, as always. And we have a special guest with us this week, Sterling. What's going on, Sterling? Aloha. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. Yeah, so I, I guess we, just... We decided uh, we weren't doing last names, right? Last week, I believe we said no last names. Uh... I believe that you, I mean, we can do last names. I don't care. We just, uh, I, I, I think we've kind of gotten into the groove of not doing last names uh, to to protect ourselves from our vigilantism uh, and, and, and make sure that our loved ones aren't targeted by I mean, any I did say, villain. it was very meta. I did say my last name, but then told everybody to ignore it. So they don't know at this point, I'm assuming. That's true. Um, for, fortunately, in in one of your later issues, we were able to retcon that mistake and make it so that no one in the listening audience uh, truly knows your identity. Um, yeah, you know what? We'll just we'll we'll keep it first names to to protect our loved ones and and make sure that we're able to do uh, all the incredible things that we need to do in the world without fear of retribution, uh, which I guess obviously is kind of a tie into our uh, to our episode. We're talking civil war. Uh, this was a huge event both in the Marvel comics and in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we're very grateful to have uh, Sterling with us. So, Ryan, this was, I mean, we, we all know and love Sterling, but uh, he was brought on kind of by your suggestion. So I don't know if you want to do any introduction for him, maybe talk about why you thought he'd be a good fit for this episode. Yeah, it uh, takes more responsibility for this. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sterling Mason is a man. Oh, oh my <laughs> goodness. I've been, I've been doxxed right away. <laughs> I, I mean, we all worked with Sterling. We know we that, did. that he is an expert of many things. Um, and he's an expert Star Wars uh, lore master. Specifically, what is now known as the Legends content, but to Sterling it is pure canon. And anything post is a legend. Uh, pure, pure canon. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah sterling is uh, just a very knowledgeable man and i asked him which one he wanted to do and he said civil war um and then he came over borrowed some civil war comics and then we talked for four hours <laughs> <laughs> about everything and so true story i knew it would be a a good get Hopefully this one doesn't run too long, but my guess is it will. <laughs> Thank you. That's uh, you introduce yourself. I don't know why I'm introducing you. No, that was that was great. That was uh, you know, it's like when you show up at an event and they introduce you. It makes you feel really welcome, and uh, I appreciate that. I'm you know set the stage really well. Thank you. Uh, yeah, my name's Sterling. Um, yeah, I like Star Wars a lot. I like Marvel. Uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe a lot. Um, this is kind of my first real foray into Marvel Comics, so that's been really exciting to get to be a part of. And, um, you know, I, there aren't too many higher compliments than someone could pay me than me being a knowledgeable guy. So 
I just I really appreciate that. <laughs> I, I I thought you were going to say there aren't many compliments higher than someone coming and saying, "Hey, will you be on my podcast?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> missed opportunity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, had you read any comics before, Sterling? Uh, I think I mentioned to you when we were chatting when I was twelve years old, maybe ten, twelve. There were there was a run of comics that came out in relation to some sort of promotional event, but they were done in kind of an old school comic style, even though, you know, they were made in what, like, when was I a kid? I don't know, 1999 or something. These were Um, Star Wars related, right? No, these these were, I think they were actually DC comics, because I remember um, uh, Green Arrow? Yeah. Um, Really specifically. He's the only one that I can remember that vividly. In any case, I have no idea what they were related to, but we ended up with like seven or eight of them. I thought, hey, comics are cool, but I grew up in a small town where there was one one little bookshop and they had, you know, maybe 10 comics at any one time. And um, my parents were not, not uh, uh, down to drive me or my friends to the bookstore to look at comics and yeah, and you know, a s- small town life, you uh, don't have as much exposure. So, um, this was the first chance that I've actually sat down and read stuff. I've flipped through things, you know, now that I, now I live in a real city and um, can go to a comic shop and flip through comic books, but it was the first real, first real exposure. Got it. Didn't you tell me that you you had some German oh, no, Star yeah. Wars one too? <laughs> no, yeah, that yeah, I guess uh, in the superhero realm at least. Ah, yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, in my time in Germany, I picked up just a. Was, I guess it's a. What would you call this? An anthology, like a little compilation that was probably. Oh, you know, half, uh, not even like a third of an inch thick, and it was the um, graphic novelization of a Star Wars novel. Those like the first in a trilogy. And uh, um, it was in German. Uh, so I was like, oh, this would be great to keep learning my German. And um, it worked okay for that for that purpose. <laughs> um, but I, I really enjoyed it. And so when I came home, funnily enough, there were a few spots in the comic that I could never quite, even once I got fluent, I could not figure out what they were saying. Like there were just some spots that had the kind of deep street colloquialism that even talking to people every day and learning sort of on the street type of language. I could never figure out where they were. So when I came, when I came home, I was really fortunate to actually find the whole like big volume of all three graphic novelizations together. And it was fun to flip through and be like, what does this spot really mean? Oh, okay. You know, and finally piece <laughs> together a couple of the panels that I, could never uh, figure out what they were referencing. So, uh, yeah, I, I always kind of lumped that into my my whole sort of Star Wars smorgasbord. Mm, yeah, I've been a part of. But you're right. Definitely a cool comic experience. I so here Sterling hearing your uh, like kind of introduction, I I was thinking back and before meeting Ryan, I I definitely wasn't like a comic reader uh, mm-hmm. by myself. Mm-hmm. I, I was like very into the MCU, but had never really like given much thought to to the source material. And it reminded me, um, it it reminded me of this quote 
from from the office when Dwight is mourning breaking up with Angela. He's like, she introduced me to so many things. Pasteurized milk, sheets, monotheism, presents on your birthday, preventative medicine. And I was thinking about my relationship with Ryan. Like, he's introduced me to so many things. Comic books, The Simpsons. I mean, just so, so much more. <laughs> and the two things. I, 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 there, there are plenty more, but uh, Tally oh, Hall. Uh, I, I was just about to say Tally Hall, um, <laughs> Department of, of Muisk. Uh, Muisk. We don't talk about that yeah. one. What that's, are you talking about? There, there are that's uh, be the intro music. I, <laughs> my thoughts exactly. Anyway, uh, we're, we're very, Grateful to have Sterling. I'm I'm grateful to have Ryan to have Sterling. Um, you, you and you know Sterling. I know. No, no, no. I'm just saying. Like, I, I'm I'm grateful that you made the that that you made the ask, uh, Sterling. Th- this is the first time we've spoken, at least like, I don't know. At the same like in uh, what's that? What's that called? Like, like synchron- synchronously. Thank you. Yes, synchronously. Yeah. In many years, I'm, yeah, I, I fortunately still feel <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the water the great, under the bridge. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the great falling out of, of 16. Um, no, I'm 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 glad that, you know, I, I still feel a, a closeness to you. But uh, despite my yearning, the invitation probably felt more uh, more more. I don't know, normal from Ryan. So anyway, glad we could get Sterling in. Uh, glad to have all of us. Corey, I haven't really heard from you very much. I'm not trying to bully you out. How's it going? Going great. Honestly, I was like trying to secretly finish one of the comics and I did it. <laughs> so thank you for that reprieve. Yeah. Uh, now I am prepared. Okay. Well, so- sorry. So- sorry to blow your cover like that. Um, I, so... Normally, we talk about kind of what we're reading in our spare time or, 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 or what we're reading that isn't directly related to, to the comics that we'll be discussing for each episode. Um, I, I want to test pilot kind of a new spin on the segment uh, that, that, that I will call buy or borrow. I almost wanted to call it buy, steal, or borrow, but we'll just keep it at buy or borrow. Uh, and the idea is... Being a comic book collector can be a pretty expensive hobby. Uh, it can also be very cheap. You know, your your local library likely has a pretty good collection of comic books and graphic novels to check out. But there are some that just stick with you that you want to like reference or reread. Civil War might be one of those. Uh, and 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 so as we discuss anything interesting that we're reading outside of it, maybe we can kind of filter it through this this lens of is this comic book to borrow or is this a comic book to buy um i'll i'll go first if you'll allow me i have been all the way in on like the watchman universe over the past month i made my first read through uh the watchman graphic novel was very impressed not very surprising many people regard that as like you know, one one it, it top tier, top tier. Um, I then read Doomsday Clock, which was fun, but 
uh, Doomsday Clock, I, 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 I feel pretty good putting in the borrow category. It, it has a lot of interesting ideas. It's fun to kind of see some of the characters from the Watchmen universe again. You get some, some new cool characters, but it's probably not something that I'm going to return to all that often. I did, however, just finish reading uh, Rorschach, which is a, I think it was like a 12-issue run uh, written by Tom King, who's done some good work with Batman and a few other uh, DC properties. This is like a stone-cold must-have buy. I I loved this series so much. Um, it, it picks back up in the Watchmen universe, uh, probably like 30 to 35 years after the events of Watchmen and deals with um, kind of just the fallout of of one of the big uh, like climax events of Watchmen, which I, I, I'm not going to spoil it in, in case you haven't read it, but very, very good. Um, I thought it was especially timely. Uh, it, it came out in 2020, and I think that some of the themes that were being tackled are ones that if you appreciate when comic books kind of like turn the mirror back on society, you'll you'll definitely thoroughly enjoy uh, the Rorschach run. Uh, and even if you're not crazy about that, still highly entertaining, keeps you guessing, and I think did a really good job of honoring the style that Alan Moore employed when writing Watchmen. So. Doomsday Clock borrow, Rorschach buy. I did you watch the the Amazon Watchmen series? I haven't yet. I I haven't even watched the Zack Snyder movie yet. So well, so far I've only been in print. I think you should watch. I have not watched the Amazon uh, one, but the Amazon story apparently is kind of like a sequel to the comic. It's not right a retelling of it or anything, and so. People said it was good. I'm interested. I would be interested to hear your take on it. I I I know that 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 the streaming series it, it, is it on Amazon. I I, I thought it might have been I HBO thought, Max. I thought it was Amazon, but you could. I don't know. It, it it's it's streaming. One of the two. Um, but I I know that those events take place in Oklahoma City. The Rorschach, um, comics. They they mention like, oh, people are going to go crazy about this, especially after what just happened in Oklahoma City. So there may be more tie ins that I just completely missed because I haven't seen the show yet. But there was kind of a clever little nod to that series in the Rorschach comic. Hmm. Yeah, well, you're right. It you... is HBO. I was just about to say I Googled it, too. <laughs> <laughs> As the resident expert on all things Watchmen, I, I I feel duty bound to stream that show now. You are. <laughs> Get to it. Um. Yeah. I, I. So I know we had a lot of reading this week. Uh. But if if anyone has been reading anything outside of our our assigned reading that they want to kind of put on that buy or borrow spectrum, feel free to roll it out there. Or if you're not sure and just want to mention it. I have two buys. Ooh, right out okay. the bat. 
Uh, one is Doctor Strange, The Oath. Uh, Doctor Strange is shot and is brought into the night nurse for some healing, and she's trying to figure out what happened, and they go into how Wong revealed to him that he has cancer. There's nothing he could do about it. And so Doctor Strange goes into another dimension and finds something that will help Wong, and they find out that it is the cure for cancer. Later finding out it is the cure for all disease. Whoa. And they've got, uh, there's a bunch of people who are kind of trying to stop Doctor Strange from using it, implementing that there could be more dire consequences if he does. And so, it was really good. It's uh, it's on the list of top Doctor Strange stories if you are looking for a good uh, Doctor Strange-related adventure, especially after the movie has come out uh, like four or five months ago when this episode comes out. Um, and then I also finally finished The Immortal Hulk, Ooh. which... And- what was that, Corey? I was going to say, ooh, and that's a buy. It is a I'm buy. Just... I have been reading it for a very long time. It's about 50 issues long. Oh, and love I've, to hear that. I've just been sitting on the very last trade paperback, and I, I finally pulled the trigger. And it is a really good good series. It, it essentially uh, is hulk but it goes back to his roots in horror Ooh. and so there's a lot of like really weird creatures and really like weird horror ideas sprinkled in and the idea is uh we learn that the hulk and anyone else who uh has been affected by gamma radiation are all kind of connected together and they cannot die due to their uh gamma radiation stuff and so it's just a a solid run by al ewing and the other one is brian k vaughn who did dr strange but uh, al ewing is uh he's one of the hotter names in comics right now so nice it's uh i heard it was really good and i finally finished it and can confirm it is really good Ryan, if you are in, are, are are you normally into like kind of the blending of comics and horror? Um, not necessarily. I, I, I ask because so I was very interested to try out the uh, the Swamp Thing run by Scott Snyder. Okay. Uh, part of part of the new fifty two, and people talked about how the first trade uh, trade paperback uh, volume one is called "Raise Them Bones," uh, and it they they talked about how like he leans into some of the horror elements of Swamp Thing, and I thought, oh, this will be cool, and it was very cool, but uh, yeah, he held nothing back. Uh, it was very mm. very uh gruesome this uh, this one is pretty gruesome as well um and i i do think they kind of go 
all out on making it as horrific as possible. Yeah. I, I'm writing both of these down. They sound very <laughs> up my alley. Mm. Uh, if yeah, Corey, if that's like I, I so I've only read the first two uh like collections in the in, in the Swamp Thing uh run by Scott Snyder. It's very good, but so Swamp Thing is the is the protector of all of the green, uh which is like it, it it it's the it's the other side of the red. Uh, Animal Man protects the red. Swamp Thing protects the green, and that together uh, compromises all life. Uh, you know, green being plant, red being human, animal. I don't know, moving beings, and the opposition on all of that is the rot, uh, which represents like all of the dead things and there is someone there's kind of an avatar for the rot who is able to take any like decay or dying thing in a in a person and amplify that to basically kill them and so like one person uh had a smoking habit and i guess they had like a small bit of uh, carcinogen or cancer in their body and this avatar for the rot amplified that to the point where they had like a tumor that got so big that it came out of their body and like was as big as them and they died and there are just a lot of terrible ways that uh, that people die in this comic book as as they are made victims by the avatar of the rot but it's good <laughs> Um, well, I have done no reading <laughs> outside of our stuff. All of my books on Libby came in mm. and I, I have been swamped, been very busy with different media. Um, but I feel like Civil War, all of it that I read is a buy. As soon as I move, I feel like I'm going to have everything shipped to me and I'm going to reread it. Nice. Um. For, for anyone who's interested in some extra Civil War reading, uh, I, I've i referenced this before, but I finally made use of it. Um, I mistakenly purchased Marvel's Civil War Illustrated Edition by Stuart Moore. Uh, I, I was under the impression that this was just like a beautiful commemorative edition because... If if comic books know how to do one thing, it's sell the same thing 18 times. And so I just assumed that because Civil War is such a seminal um, moment in comic history, that they had just made a nice uh, hardcover, like oversized edition. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's brown. It's hardcover, but it kind of is made to look as though it's leather bound, although it is not. There's a cutout image of Iron Man and Captain America looking away from one another. It says a novel of the of the Marvel Universe Universe Civil War Illustrated Edition. And then what I didn't see, adapted from the graphic novel by Mark Millar and Steve McNiven, Stuart Moore. Um, it's a book. 
that includes some of Steve McNiven's illustrations, but it's a novel. Uh, it is almost 300 pages long. And I don't know if everything in it is actually like in the comic book. So I'll be interested to discuss with you all my reading experience. Yes. I am very excited to hear about it. I can't believe you read it. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I did not get all the way through it. Um, I blowing your own cover. <laughs> Davis Blount. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Crucio. All right. No one heard that. Uh, oh, good. I, we'll have I, a tie into that later. <laughs> so I, why I, am I, I feeling such extreme pain right now? Exactly. It, it, it's it's working slowly. Um, I, I'm I'm excited to talk about it. I feel like I may have learned things that were part of like the tie ins that were described to me in excruciating detail as I was reading through, uh, you know, pages and pages of explanation of what could have easily just been illustrated in an establishing shot. Um, or maybe this Stuart Moore character just completely made things up uh, that are not in any other recognized, canonized version of this story. So Very we'll, possible. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll chop it up. Did you uh did you read anything about the sentry visiting the moon? I don't think so. All right. Well, maybe they didn't include all the tie-ins then. <laughs> very very likely not. Um it, yeah, you know what? I I'm I'm going to save some of my thoughts. Um right. but, but are yeah, are I we mean, getting into it right now? Yeah, let let's let's start discussing some of uh some so, some of the things that we have to uh ha have to discuss in in the comics i'm sorry i'm i'm completely tongue-tied but I, I i do <laughs> want to ask sterling a question yes oh boy as your first kind of like foray into comics what did you think of the the ones you read in particular yeah, it's interesting because if you look at the current uh, landscape of like general pop culture knowledge about the Marvel Universe, the things that take place on screen in the cinematic universe versus the things that, um, you know, transpired in these issues that we read, um, there's there's a lot of similarity. But there are big, there are pretty dramatic differences uh, tonally, visually, um, just in overall, uh, I, I guess, content levels. Um, and so to compare it to my previous exposure, which, you know, we can pretty much write off whatever exposure I had as like a 10 or 12 year old. But exposure to like Star Wars comics, for instance are quite interesting because they, in my experience, which, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, it's a pretty hefty, um, omnibus, uh, that makes up that, that trilogy of novels. They turn into graphic novels. They hew 
quite closely in general to the overall tone of at least what the what the old guard of Star Wars canon used to used to be about, which I think hues fairly closely to what the the films have established as well. Um, there are some themes that are a little bit more outlandish in the comics, but to be fair, a lot of a lot of the comics that aren't based on novels or things like that, I, I don't have as much exposure to. Right, I've read way more Star Wars novels than I have. Um, runs of, of comics, but I'd be surprised if they push the boundary quite as much as, you know, certainly these do. And it's, you know, I think it's important to recognize that it, I look at it kind of backwards, having been much exposed to the Marvel cinematic universe before touching the comics. And obviously the comics come first. So, um, historically. So from my perspective, it's like, oh, this is a big departure from what I'm familiar with. But really, it's the other way around. You know, what I'm familiar with is a big departure from the historical norm. So um, that occurred a lot more reading these than I've experienced in the past. Um, though granted, uh, totally different uh, universe. And um, again, those were actually graphic novelizations of existing novels. So they weren't the craziest things star Wars fans out there. will talk about some really wild, uh, Canon that comes from old comics. So there's definitely <laughs> some of that out there on the star Wars side of things too. Um, which is not the focus of our discussion here, but to sum up, I would say it was really eye opening. I wouldn't say that it shocked me. I think I was expecting it to, to go the way it did. Like, um, I think just in general, I understand how, the comics have always kind of pushed the boundary of visuals and storylines um, and have have pushed the boundary of kind of suspension of disbelief as it comes to uh, character death and costumes and, um, you know, the average citizen's uh, world that they live in, um, things like that. So, yeah, it was, it was really enlightening. Um, and uh, cool to experience that as kind of a reverse sort of person coming at it from the movies first. Yeah. Sorry. I really wish that we had had you read something from the 40s or the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I would love to hear your take on one of those because, oh my gosh, this is the good stuff. Well, and, see, it's interesting you bring that up because not to go on a tangent, but... I'd be curious to do that in the vein of, you know, having seen little bits and pieces, right? Like old bits of comics crop up frequently in pop culture. Um, so seeing even just, there's a scene in The Road to Civil War um, in one of the, uh, let me see if I can identify it really quick. The Amazing Spider-Man where he gets his suit um, and then he's talking with Tony on the balcony or he comes he's he, he and MJ eat dinner with Tony and they're talking on the balcony. Peter's wearing like a polo and like slacks. Um, and it reads very like 1999 to me, not to like peg 1999. as like the archetypal, you know, before times, but, um, and obviously pre, these, sorry, pre, pre, yeah. pre nine 11, I, I, I think is usually, Sure, something something in that vein. 
Um, and I remember checking, you know, the at the very beginning, like, you know, what what's the actual copyright date of these? And, uh, you know, I think it's around 2007-ish. Does that sound right? Yeah, 2006. 2006. So not that far removed, right? As you're writing, whether it's long form, whether it's comic books, whether it's movies, you know, I think you draw on a lot of your understanding of the world, which is often colored by the last five, 10 years. And so, um, but that, that stood out to me. Like that was something I noticed. It was like, here I am in 2022 reading this story, which serves as a super loose foundation for the film versions, which are set indefinitely, you know, the, the, the 2010s and feature people wearing fashion and just like going about their lives. I think much more, visually close to what we just equate with modern life. And these, these to me stood out as like almost existing in this kind of nebulous. Um, yeah, maybe not quite pre nine 11, but, but definitely feeling like it was a before time, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So I'd be curious to compare that to, you know, a comic from the forties or the sixties or something, you know, where guys are rushing around in there, in there, fedoras and their their briefcases and stuff and would that were those comics written in that day uh just just a pretty you know was that a shock at all to people i i wouldn't think so you know where this is probably a pretty silly thing for me to hewn in on so closely but that was just my my reaction to that Corey was i wonder to what extent they were really contemporary or whether they also evoked a little bit of a nostalgic visual storyline things like that you know Mm -hmm. i often think that the comics are older than they are because of visual things or like sayings or like what the cars look like for instance that sort of thing Mm -hmm. sure yeah yeah so even ones that like you know we'll read one something from the 60s and i'm like this feels really old this feels older than the 60s or like something in the 80s and i'm like this is definitely 70s so and i don't know i didn't live through those times so i don't actually know if those would have felt more nostalgic or like older for people that that were more familiar with those time periods and not as just general concepts but I don't know. Yeah, from my reading, I definitely feel like they they lag a little bit. And I think that's something that in the written world is just more more the case. Like um that like films come out at a certain time, and I think they really typify that moment when they come out unless they are like a wildly different genre maybe and are pretty far afield but um comics at least to me again this a a, a veritable newcomer um (laughs) they have maybe more of a they're of their time well i was gonna say they have a more kind of like um Oh, it's hard to hard to describe. Like, you know, these came out in twenty uh, two thousand six, right? And and here we are reading them um, in a way that I don't know. They they feel like they're moving through moving through time in a way that you watch a film and you're like, oh yeah, this was from nineteen eighty six, and uh, it's very very much a 
now that I've now that I've said this whole piece, maybe there's a lot more similarity there. Yeah, maybe I've come full circle on myself, and I'm not sure that I uh, totally agree. You know, I think I think film can definitely do it too. Anyway, anyway, fair. Um, I, I, oh, everyone, go ahead. <laughs> I I I I think if anything uh, has been learned about the art of comic book making in the last half century, it's that you don't need as much exposition as they were giving us in the fifties and sixties uh, yes. because goodness, like you, you didn't need the pictures, the, the, the thought bubbles or the text bubbles were explaining everything that was happening. Like uh, Captain America, like I'm going to sock you right in the jaw. And it's, you know, it, it, I, I, actually it, it, it's not even that it's, I'm going to sock you right in the jaw to show you that old Uncle Sam has something over on you, Red Skull. You Hydra scum are nothing compared to the might of, I don't know, old-fashioned, good old American ingenuity. And and then it's just a picture of Captain America punching Red Skull, and it says, pow. Captain like, America <laughs> takes his leather strap with each of his fingers and presses it hard against his uh, American iron fist, and then takes his shield and throws it into the wind as it ricochets across each and every bad guy in its vicinity. There's like barely enough space in the frame yeah. for any actual art. Yeah. Like you don't even need to read it. They described it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> I, what I do like about the convention of comics, specifically Marvel comics, is for some reason they've taken upon themselves a mission that they have started a story in the 60s and all of it is canon. And if they retcon <laughs> anything, it has to make sense. And to me, it makes this like large epic story of like, they constantly reference things that happened in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And certain writers remember characters from different eras that they bring back. And or some writers just want to find the most obscure character they possibly can and make them relevant somehow. And it also adds to the humor for me. For example, Aunt May always calls pancakes wheat cakes, which I've never heard in the modern world. Uh, and one of the more recent Spider-Man writers has her say like, Oh, I'm going to make you some wheat cakes, Petey. And it's like a satisfying moment for me when he finally says they're called pancakes at me. <laughs> and so like having all of that, like backstory somehow adds to the experience to me, which I know isn't how everyone feels about comics, but I kind of like that. They're somehow trying to shoehorn all these like, exposition heavy like sci-fi stories that stan lee wrote and other creators and i don't know for me that that's part of the charm is going back and saying oh this is like what started this like event that everybody references and you kind of see oh yeah this is definitely of its time and like like i don't know to me that's part of the charm but don't know if that's part of the charm for anyone else. Um, it is until I have to go back and read, uh, mystery, wh mysteries of suspense, whatever. <laughs> Tales, Tales of, of suspense. suspense. <laughs> oh, 
uh, which is a deep cut that no one else understands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I... um, should we summarize some comics? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll start with kind of the, the flagship comic, which is Marvel's Civil War. Um, as, as has been mentioned, this is a comic run that came out in 2006. And I believe Ryan, do you have the summary on that one? Yes. I have a, a brief summary Yeah, of the whole entire I, series. <laughs> I, I, I think that'll, that, that will be good as kind of a jumping off point. All right. So the new warriors, which, uh, had their own reality TV show at one point, come back for a second season. Um, if you've read the new new warriors that talks about their first season of the reality show, one of my questions I've always had, this is a tangent already, by the way, Mm. is they say the show is canceled at the end of that series. And then at the beginning of civil war, there's no there's nothing in between that I've seen that gives a hint that it's back other than they say we're back for a second season. And so I've always wondered how it got uncanceled, but could never find an answer to that. Wondering the same thing because I read <laughs> Two Warriors 2 and and it's really interesting because like throughout. OK, I wrote a summary. I'll just say it really quick. Right. Um, so there's this reality TV show of the New Warriors who were a New York-based team who just disbanded. And then for mysterious reasons, their leader, Night Thrasher, brings the gang back together to film a reality TV show. Um, And they bring on an extra member who turns out to be his adopted son. And then another random person joins for reality show drama. Um, But then each issue of this six-issue arc is a different episode of their first season of their reality show. And then at the very... Oh, and... Each episode, they kind of, like, fight a new villain. Um, And then... Oh, and all of these are taking place in small-town America. So it's, like, bringing superheroes to small-town America to solve small crimes. Uh, Although they're always kind of medium to big crimes. (laughs) Anyway, um, at the end of the six episodes, they get put on hiatus. So they're, like, not canceled, but canceled. Mm. Soft canceled. All right. And... um, Oh, the Night Thrasher, it kind of is revealed that he, uh, like, part of this deal was to prevent him, I think, from going into bankruptcy. So because they're canceled, he's going bankrupt. Or his organization. Dang. Uh, and it's just, like, such a sad ending. And then you read Civil War, and it's like, we're back! <laughs> f- finally, a happy ending for the new, uh, for the new Warriors. <laughs> Which is ironic. Why, Ryan? <laughs> Uh, the new warriors find themselves, uh, in the town of Stamford, Connecticut, where there are, uh, four different villains, uh, one of them being Nitro, who has explosive powers, uh, and they kind of rush in, the new warriors rush into the scene to stop them, and, uh, one of the new warriors, Namorita, runs into Nitro, and because of that, Nitro causes a huge explosion and kills a bunch of people in Stamford, Connecticut. Uh, They reiterate that there was a school nearby many times. Mm -hmm. So you kind of get the gravity, and 
before all of this, you kind of hear rumblings of the Superhuman Registration Act uh, being thrown around of superheroes needing to register their identities with the government and everyone's deciding to vote on it. And this event kind of uh, segues into a lot of people deciding that they can't trust superheroes anymore and they need to be kind of contained because stuff like this could happen more often. Can can I just ask a quick question uh, throughout? Because there Please. there are a few there, there there are a few times where, as I read a novel of the Marvel Universe Civil War Illustrated Edition, I thought to myself, certainly this was never addressed in any of the tie-in stuff. Um, so each chapter of my book is narrated from a certain character's perspective, and in the New Warriors. It is through Speedball's perspective. Yes. Um, do we ever get a note that Speedball has been clinically diagnosed as being bipolar? No. Hmm. Let's but let's take a let's take a quick look. Uh... I, that that uh, kind of it, it's really interesting in the New Warriors because they talk about like him living at home and he kind of has. I don't know what now feel like maybe they're a depressive episode. I see notes of it, but I don't know if it was official. Yeah, I, I would echo Corey there. It's interesting to hear that in retrospect. So Speedball kind of like uh, starts starts off the, the fight and, and, and is kind of the first to strike. And toward toward the middle of the fight, he apparently has gone missing within the house. I'll read a quick a quick sentence that says speedball had peaked early during the fight. Now his adrenaline levels were crashing. He felt suddenly tired, useless, futile. He was glad the others weren't around. He'd expended a lot of energy, no pun intended, keeping his bipolar condition a secret from them. He felt very unreal as though he were watching his own actions from a distance, like some bored faceless audience member, just getting ready to click away to another channel. Uh, and throughout this chapter, we get kind of this disassociative um, tension with Speedball, which is somewhat compelling. Like, as Nitro explodes, uh, we see, let's see, as, as Robbie's body boiled into vapor, as the kinetic energy inside him burst forth for the last time into the void, his final thought was, at least I won't have to get old. And, and, I don't it, like it. It's it's very somber, and I think it adds a level of groundedness. But I read that note and thought there is no way that in the comic books it said, "Oh, by the way, Speedball is bipolar." Yeah. So for the listener at home, the uh, dinging noise they heard on their end was me doing a Control F on the Speedball <laughs> Marvel Wiki and searching bipolar, and no results being found. Uh, okay, so Stuart Moore is just a big fat guesser who, <laughs> who who is trying to add a mental health slant into this comic. All right, interesting. Subtext, but I yeah yeah not C official. certainly. Like I I don't I I don't want to suggest that the things that I'm reading are just like completely made up out of thin air, but. To Again. comics, which yeah. are not made up. 
<laughs> to add, you know, maybe to add a little bit of color commentary again, uh, pulling from a different uh, uh, geekdom universe. This is very common in novelizations on the Star Wars side of things. There are lots and lots of details that are not codified in films, for instance, but do show up in the novelizations. Um, and the authors are sometimes given specific leeway on those things and sometimes they or even instruction to touch on certain things more and sometimes mm -hmm. they just flesh things out as they see fit and if it passes you know the the editor check from you know in the case of star wars lucasfilm's in-house team i wonder if the same thing happens on marvel side they're like hey you write this novel and then we'll we'll you know redline anything that is definitely not not canon right so it making it through makes it well you know, the, I, I, I will tip my cap, especially to to Star Wars novelizations. I, I, I think sometimes they do help flesh out the universe, like when Rey and her band uh, meet back up with Unkar Plutt on 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 Maz's castle and Chewbacca uh, pulls one of his arms off of his body, leaving Unkar Plutt with only one arm. Uh, that that unfortunately did not make it into the movie, but is proudly displayed in the Force Awakens novelization. Wow! Yeah, does it? Uh, wow. Someone search on DeviantArt for the fan fan art of that that scene, please. <laughs> um. All right, back to the comic. Okay. Um. Actually, Ryan, do you mind if I cut in? Cut I in as much I have. As you want. Okay, I have some Illuminati and um, Spider Man notes. Right. I think those might start so, well for what you're about to talk about. All right, perfect. So for for everybody listening at home, here were the comics that we're, oh, yes. we're kind of reading. So yes. where the prelude to Civil War is the New Warrior series that we, we read. Um, another interesting note on that, I don't ever see that in reading orders or anything. And yet I do have a trade paperback copy that says Civil War Prelude on the side. And it seems to be like erased from history almost. Um, you, when I search it on Google. It, and yet it's the instigating event. Yeah. Well, you, you go ahead. Oh, I, I, I was going to say, you have to remember that at the at the time of publication, the new warriors were in financial dire straits. That's and true. so I, I, I think anything that they could do to try and sell a few more copies uh, they, they, they were going to do, even if it was a little gray, legally speaking. So they, 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 they may have slapped that tag on there themselves to try and stave off bankruptcy. Fair. That one is also illustrated by Scotty Young, who, if you look at variant covers for Marvel stuff, he always does a variant cover what I only can describe as Avengers babies where it's just all of the characters as like childlike versions. And I like that art style, especially in new warriors where he's drawing like a real comic book, but it's very cartoony and over the top. Uh, but then we also have the road to civil war, which comprise of new Avengers Illuminati one shot Amazing Spider-Man 529 to 531 and Fantastic Four 536 to 537. And these are kind of 
all of these together are kind of like the lead up to Civil War. And then, of course, we read Civil War 1 through 7. I read a few extra New Avengers comics that tied into it. I don't know if anybody... And Davis read the novelization of <laughs> Civil War as well. Um, but yes. Page turner. Yeah. <laughs> Corey, let's hear it. All right. So I only read Illuminati and Spider-Man, so I'll give you those. Perfect. Um, but so New Avengers, Illuminati, we have some of the Avengers, like the secret team of leaders meeting in Wakanda, which they're going to for the first time. And they comprise Tony, um, Doctor Strange, Reed, Dr. Reed, um, Namor, Professor X, and this other guy, the one that like is the sound guy who I can't remember his name. Black Bolt. Black Bolt. That one. Um, anyway, and Tony personally believes that the Scroll Cree War is their fault. Uh, because they have all these disparate crime fighting groups who um need to band together and become a peacekeeping force as a group. Um, because if they don't, there's like too much things happening um like simultaneously, and so they, they don't have like a central information, and so that that's the reason that this war happened. Um and Namor thinks you crazy. That is too much. Um, and that there are too many like people. How do we decide who goes where? Um, and everyone but to try. And then eventually they decide, well, let's have someone who's kind of in charge of policing us. So police the police using Professor X's mind powers. Official term. And <laughs> everyone but T'Challa agrees on this. Um, and he just like walks away and is like, this is not going to be good. I am leaving. Get away. Leave Wakanda. Um, and then we have kind of some rumblings of people uh, blaming superheroes because they are not stopping the bad guys and killing them, which then leads to the bad guys eventually killing more people. So they specifically reference Spider-Man. For not killing Green Goblin, because he then continues to kill other people. And they also talk about how they need to take the Hulk down, because he keeps hurting people. Um, I think the Spider-Man reference is really interesting. We can talk about that when we get to the movie, but just wanted to point that one out. Um, and then they take Hulk out. Um, and then Namor nearly kills Tony, because he's so pissed about this whole Hulk thing. And then Professor he X is missing, because of the um, House of M stuff. And then Tony, like, in the very end is like, well, I have a copy of this thing that's about to happen in a couple of months, which is the Superhero Registration Act. Um, and then we get to Amazing Spider-Man, which is kind of happening in parallel to a lot of these things. Um, and it starts with Tony building Peter a new suit. And he specifically mentions, like, this one is not made of cloth, which, again, movie. Um, and then Tony takes Peter to Washington and it's kind of like, I don't know, it's almost like a blood oath. He's like, you're my new secret number two and you're going to help me with this new secret thing. And right before they go to Washington, Tony said that he just came from an important meeting that was like an all-nighter, which was the one where he met up and showed them the Superhero Registration Act. Um, in Washington... 
Tony and Peter are trying to say that we should not do the Superhero Registration Act. It's a bad thing. They give lots of reasons. They're both against it. And then they break for recess, and the Titanium Man comes out and starts fighting, and Peter quickly changes into Spider-Man and defeats the Titanium Dude. And then that kind of prevents, for a little bit, them enacting the, the Registration Act. Um, and then Peter and Tony are talking, and Peter is like, um, it's kind of weird that the only people who knew that we were talking about this were, like, the committee and then us. And he's like, you didn't do anything, right, Tony? And Tony's like, nah, I'm good. I would never. Um, and they also are passing Lincoln, and I want to read from this, where Tony says, I've always admired Lincoln when the South uh, began going its own way. He knew that taking a position against them would lead to civil war, but he did it anyway because he understood thing um, something, understood it more perhaps than anyone else at the time. He knew that a house divided could not stand against itself. A nation cannot be divided and survive. Under his administration, brother hunted down brother, friend turned against friend. It was terrible. It was bloody, but it was necessary uh, because in the end, the republic held and the nation was restored. I sometimes wonder if I could have had, if I would have had the courage to do as he did. So kind of a little what's about to happen moment. Um, and then we find out Tony did in fact pay off the titanium man or whatever titanium dude to cause a scene outside of, I think Congress. Um, and that's a secret. And then Peter turns on the TV and sees the disaster that Speedball and the New Warriors have caused in the 600 people that were hurt. End of summaries. I didn't read the other ones. Beautiful. The Fantastic Four one has little blips of... Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, can, I can sum those real quick. Please if, do. Uh, oh, yeah. Desire. Well, so uh, it starts with, oh, a mysterious object crashes, uh, crashes to Earth. Oh, what do you, wouldn't you know? It's Thor's hammer. Um, uh, and... Side note: Thor is thought dead while all mm, this is happening. That's right. Right, right. That that makes that makes sense later. Um, then we see, um, yeah, Reed, um, talking. He's he's at home and um, he relates a little bit about what happened with the the past meeting. I I think it's probably the same one that um, Tony's reflecting back on um the the illuminati meeting and then they get a call to have the fantastic four come and help them at this facility um in oklahoma and uh dr doom and his doom bots are assaulting the secret military facility and it turns out what they're after doom bot doom bot doom bot doom bot <laughs> that's uh yeah that's the next part actually <laughs> <laughs> they have a dance off with oh the we've, we've uh doom secured we've... Hansen for latveria <laughs> i'm 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 sorry sterling uh, that was unfair we, we, no, we uh, we've we've switched uh storylines entirely um and yeah so it turns out uh the facility was over the hammer and um doom relates how you know, the Fantastic Four are like, we left you in hell. How are you here? 
And, and so he relates how he was fighting all of these demons, I suppose, in hell. And then he saw this rift rip open in space-time, and he saw Asgardians fighting and realized it was Ragnarok. And uh, then the rift, through the rift, flies Thor's hammer, and he, like, tries to grab a hold of it and doesn't quite get it, but the rift sucks him out and drops him um, back on Earth. So he goes back to, um, what's it, Latmoria? Is that a... Latveria. Latveria. Um, and uh, then he, you know, assembles his Doombots and comes to try to recover Thor's hammer because he has this sense that he was able to tap into its power. But it turns out he's not able to lift it. And so he departs. Um, and at the very end of that sequence, you see... A mysterious traveler buying a bus ticket and heading to Oklahoma, where there have been, you know, power outages and surges, and there's, uh, it's been like tons of, um, it's been thunderstorms, and uh, so you can you can uh, assume what might be might be happening in the background, which we'll see come to pass in Civil War. I I I have a quick like on on the note of Thor being presumed dead. Uh, I again, for better or for worse, I have read Civil War before, but I chose to just go with the novelization for for this purpose. I don't remember it's this definitely happening for better, only because you <laughs> yeah. you get to say that every single time you make a comment. Yeah. <laughs> for 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 those who were just joining us. Um, uh, so Iron Man describes a moment he, he's having like a flashback to a month before basically the beginning of Civil War and he was talking about how he was just kind of hanging out at Avengers Tower and all of a sudden the messenger from Asgard came and in all caps the the messenger just said Ragnarok has come I am sent to notify you of the Thunder God's fate. You will see him no more. Uh, and so, and someone said, hey, we're ready to help. Tell us where to go. No, it is done. Ragnarok has come and passed, laying waste to all Asgard. Thor has fallen in battle. He is no more. I am here out of respect for what he meant to you. But hear me. This is Father Odin's final message. From this day, there will be no further contact between Midgard and Asgard. Between your realm and ours, Thor is dead. The Age of Gods is done. Was this uh, uh, Zordon who was communicating with him? Is that his name? Doombot. Doombot. <laughs> Doombot. Shooby dooby Doombot. What's the guy's name uh, from Power Rangers, the big white floating head? I, and isn't it Zordon? Okay, I, 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 I think you're right. right. Okay. Um, oh, yep. Oh, wait. Zordon Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, we'll just call him Big Head and Tube. Oh, man. Didn't Brian Cranston play Zordon in the reboot? I do not know that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, he did. I, yeah, he did. <laughs> yes, okay. Whew. I, I, I thought I was just lobbing horrible accusations Brian Cranston's way, but he did indeed do that. Anyway. Yeah. I just I I did not remember some someone coming down from the heavens and telling the Avengers in all caps 
Thor is dead. End of message. Goodbye. Um, but again, some of the things you find in a, in a novelization. <laughs> All right. Real quick, I'm going to hit the main story beats of Civil War. <laughs> Do it. And then I, I, we can discuss. I will not interrupt you. You're good. I, I'm going to really summarize it. And then we can discuss favorite parts, other details in between. But essentially, after this event where Stanford, Connecticut is kind of brought down, uh, someone approaches Tony and kind of makes him feel guilty because her son was killed. Um, and that's kind of another inciting incident for Tony to kind of go all out on the Superhuman Registration Act. He gets together with Hank Pym and Reed Richards, and they kind of figure out some solution to some current problems, and the Superhuman Registration Act ends up passing. Uh, but Captain America, Steve Rogers, does not agree with the Superhuman Registration Act. And so him and a bunch of other heroes kind of disagree with it. Um, and so there's kind of this divide and all of these uh, heroes who do not want their secret identities known and do not want to work for the, the government kind of go on, uh, go rogue, do their own thing. And Civil War is essentially the story of them battling it out. Uh, there's some big key points. Spider-Man joins Tony's side, as we kind of see hints of in the uh, Amazing Spider-Man issues that Corey referenced. Uh, and Spider-Man ends up revealing his identity to the world uh, as part of kind of a statement piece. Um giant man ends up getting killed as a result of one of the battles uh thor returns but it turns out to be a robot built by reed richards and other science people um and they're kind of using ai to help them battle everybody the punisher joins captain america side briefly but then some other villains decide to join as well and the punisher kills them all and then they uh, kind of get mad at him. <laughs> kind of get mad at him is really not selling just, it that much. Just a, just a little bit. <laughs> Captain America <laughs> practically beats him to death. Uh, and then there's kind of, the battling kind of escalates until Steve sees all of the... Uh, all of the chaos ensuing and realizing that they're causing more damage than helping people at this point. And Steve gives in and says it's not worth it. And that is how the Civil War ends. Uh, just an extra added detail in the Captain America series after he gives himself in, Captain America is later killed. Uh, by crossbones um and yeah i wasn't in the movie it was not in the movie <laughs> but <laughs> i guess do we want to talk about some in uh, fact in fact isn't that uh, as opposite of uh the portrayal <laughs> as it is possible to be yeah 
Uh, we'll we'll get into that in just a second. But any other uh, parts or details that you guys want to mention that you enjoyed? Let's give her a question really quick. Um, in the comic books, comic book only slash novelization, Davis. Um, <laughs> what what side are you on? Are you Tony or um, Steve? Uh, okay, so I'm I'm gonna jump in. For the movie, I the exact it, opposite it, of what Corey it, asked. Yeah, exactly I know. Just, not what the. Hang on, hang on. You're in trouble. Just uh, okay. All right, all right. The 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 reason I'm answering it like this is because for me the comic book makes it such a harder decision, and so I just I wanted to get the easy yeah. answer. No, no, I, we're going to go easy answer in a minute. Okay, all right, fine, <laughs> fine, fine. I still I I I still believe uh in like the the pro registration, I guess. Um I I I think that the comic book does a good job of showing how clunky that is, how hostile uh, like shield and, and the government already is towards superheroes. Like I, I, I don't know. Just one, one of the things that I thought that the comic book did really, really well, that wasn't even possible to be done in the, in, in the movie was, um, give a voice to like the street level superheroes. So mm -hmm. we, 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 we saw like, daredevil and luke cage and uh and 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 other quote-unquote street level heroes be very against this this registration act partially because like even in their own comic books they're considered vigilantes still like they they, they don't have the gleaming reputation and the the ivory towers of like tony stark or reed richards or whoever and I, I thought that that was really compelling and something that couldn't be done quite as well in the movie. I, I, I guess they did like an OK job of bringing in Hawkeye or Ant-Man, who would probably be the closest thing to a street level hero uh, that that the MCU had. But most most of the MCU characters in one way or another were far enough removed from like the everyday that registering for the Sokovia Accords wouldn't affect them, but that wasn't possible for a lot of the heroes in the comic books, which I think is why Spider-Man joining and revealing his identity was such a um, such a huge coup, because he's kind of like the S-tier street-level hero. Mm -hmm. And ju just to piggyback on that, it does highlight the very interesting yet you know i can't imagine a way of doing it very differently of uh, the 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 major dichotomy between the comics and the films where like in the films captain america's everybody knows who he is everybody knows who iron man is everybody knows who i mean heck even hot, even um um falcon right he hardly wears a disguise like um Banner is a well-known scientist. Thor doesn't ever really have a disguise. Maybe Romanoff, maybe Black Widow, 
can fly under the radar a little bit, but even still, she's recognized by the world leaders, you know, um, as we see at the beginning of this movie, even. So the whole disguise concept, I think, was, you know, sunsetted a little bit at some point in the MCU. Maybe even, you know, kicking that off with the end of Iron Man, you know, so that facet, I think, would be pretty difficult to portray outside of interestingly to your point davis spider-man who maintained his uh his disguise um sterling what side are you on oh captain america for sure okay ryan it is uh, it is difficult but i think i'm gonna say captain america as well and i i don't mind Tony's optimistic side of things in the comics, uh, even though it's a little hubristic of him thinking he can solve all of the world's problems. Yeah. Um, but what makes me, there's a few reasons why I side with Captain America in the comics per se is one is Maria Hill. I forget if it's Mariah or Maria. Maria. But she sucks and i i had been reading new avengers and they have a very antagonistic relationship with her prior to uh the event in stanford mm-hmm. um and they're kind of working against shield when they they start back up the avengers and but you kind of see slowly that tony is thinking oh they're they're a good ally to have but she it remains a constant that maria hill is a jerk yes. true and she only gets worse in this where she's like all right let's get a group of villains to kind of enforce our our uh hold we've got on everybody and like let's do everything possible to make sure that the law is upheld, even if it means taking away people, taking away people's freedom. And one of the other thing that kind of puts me on cap side is one of the new Avengers issues was Luke Cage's experience with all of this. And he decides to, uh, he decides not to sign the act, but kind of, passively does nothing to resist uh his capture and it's a really like heart-wrenching thing where he like tells his wife jessica jones to to leave and she takes the kid to canada so they don't have to deal with it and he says he has to stay in the town to protect it since he's made it like a, a safer place and that's where he lives and he can't stand for this sort of thing and blah 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 and it's just it's very good and very compelling as a narrative. And so I I do think it is harder. I, I think it's actually harder for me in the movie to decide. Mostly because I think both of them are somewhat irrational in the movie. Yeah. I, I would agree with it being harder in the film for yeah. me as well, personally. Wow. But maybe, the opposite. But, I think but the maybe for Mm, interesting see in the comics it's much more explicit in my view of what registration 
entails, like what siding with Iron Man's position entails. Whereas there's not nearly enough information from my view to be as as just rabidly anti um, uh, Iron Man's plan in the film, where the ostensibly it's an international agreement, right? It's going to be in front of the UN and like, there's more world, um, world, uh, cooperation Mm -hmm. ostensibly. Um, I mean, still totally falls down for me. Um, argument wise, but yeah, yeah. The film was harder for, for me. Hey, Corey, where, where do you land on this? Captain America. I'm with the majority. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry about it. I... But I think in the so in the comic, I do feel like it was a little harder because um they just like it, it felt very like visceral how how um like in the very beginning how much devastation like the superheroes were causing. But I mean, I'm never gonna side with Hank Pym and Reed Richards on anything. And I think um, <laughs> Elastigirl or woman or whatever should never have gone back to him. Hardcore against that. That was like the, the hardest storyline for me. Why? Oh, why At the very I, end. Yeah. Also, so the, I, the, I want to correct you, Corey. The Invisible what? Woman. Invisible Woman! Dang Elastigirl it. Elastigirl is from Incredibles. The Incredibles, yes. Yeah, you know. I very just easy Incredibles. to... Uh, oh, yeah. And Reed Richards is the one that is elastic, not, okay, wow, I'm just totally out. <laughs> so, Corey, I I totally understand why you're against ever agreeing with Hank Pym, but what did Reed Richards ever do to incur your wrath? Oh my gosh. Okay, this is not the first, I mean, this is not the last soapbox I will go on on how trash some of the men are in the Civil War. Um, but... Reed Richards during the entire thing was just like, I don't know. I was like the audacity of you to just do these insane things that are just evil. Um, and like he causes the near death of his brother-in-law and good friends. And this, this, how- this did not come across in the novelization. <laughs> I, I, I feel like every time they talked about Reed Richards, they were talking about how smart he was and how he's the best. Trash. Yeah, to to read a frame for you, um, blah blah blah. Reed is talking to, oh man, I actually have no idea who this is. Her name's Jennifer. Jennifer Walters. Uh, uh, she Hulk. Uh, she Hulk. Okay, okay, yeah, that might, that tracks. Uh, Reed says Hank wouldn't be doped up on antidepressants, and my darling Sue would never have left. Oh, he's saying, if you know, sometimes I wish we'd never gotten involved because then. Hank wouldn't be doped up on antidepressants and my darling Sue would have never left. That's like the only mention in issues since she's left about her having left. And it really struck me. I was like, oh, he really is uh, mentally totally absorbed, I guess, in this whole thing. That that's That's as much merit as it gets in the... I will say in all of the Fantastic Four comics I've read, that is a huge part of Reed's uh, character is that he is such a genius that he thinks on such like a more like 
cosmic level of things. In- interesting. And yeah. so he like he's often like tinkering with stuff while his family is doing other stuff. But I've read I've read some really good storylines of he gets caught up in these things, but he always remembers that his family is number one. And so that's like, he's still like, I don't want to get too much into a tangent. But sure. 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 There's yeah. one where he meets a bunch of other Reed Richards and they form kind of like a council of Reed Richards and they try to stop like multiversal events together and kind of save like the multiverse instead of acting on just their own universes. And each read who does that has gotten divorced because they've made those things more important. And so our reads read has made his family more important. So he eventually leaves. And that's what makes him different than the other reads in that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that that, that all makes sense. I can see that obviously being part of it. And he, he writes the whole letter, you know, at the end of civil war, um, so you see him going through that arc and learning that. Um, but uh, I don't know. They've been married for a while, I assume. And so it's just kind of surprising. Two like middle grade children. Yeah. Or I don't know, elementary. So, somewhere. They're, 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 well, they're well past infancy. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, the other thought, this is super random, but reading the comics, I just kept waiting for the woman who was kind of like spearheading a lot of it and like her whose child had died to like be some sort of conspiracy. Like just the amount that she was in it and everything that she said, I was like, I don't trust you. Something is happening. It was never a conspiracy. Like she turns out to be a scroll plant or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been very interesting. That's so cool. But it never happened. It was just me being like paranoid. Um, It, it was it was interesting to see how much she was kind of brought in behind this behind the scenes to be like, yeah. look at what we're doing here. Observe this. Um, look at this super super secretive high tech stuff. <laughs> uh, okay, so, so I, I oh go 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 ahead, Ryan. I I just wanted to ask, what do you think? I well, I guess we probably should have talked to this beforehand. How do we want to incorporate comparing this to the movie? Do we want to get in the movie summary first, or so, do we want to just directly compare it? Um, As part of the movie summary, I kind of wrote it out linearly with lots of breaks to talk about it. Okay. So I was kind of thinking, you know, I can just like say like, here's a summary of this, and then we can compare or just like give our thoughts about up to that point, if that works. That works for me. Uh, so I'll pass, and then you go ahead, Davis, with whatever you were going to say. I I just wanted to ask one question about the comic specifically, and, and and like I get I guess it applies to the movie as well. But I'm just wondering how how do you think this would be different if it was written today? Uh, like th- th- this idea, I I just feel like the whole arc. Uh, yeah. So. So we're th- this was written in 2006 and I I think as as Sterling pointed out the idea of accountability and certainly like the way that that they're being held but quote unquote accountable is is pretty brutal uh in in the comics like I I I still believe in the 
ideal, uh, like in, in the, in the, I don't know, rule of law, but the comics and even the novelization makes it pretty hard to, to like stand, stand on that. Um, when you see the way that these so-called heroes are being treated, but I'm wondering we were like in the midst of an age where accountability from authorities, especially those with power, like we, we we've been seeing uh, growing cries for more accountability from like police forces and, and, and other people who are in positions of power that could be abused. And so I'm wondering, is this story told any differently? Is, is there perhaps like a more sympathetic or um i don't know even-handed approach to to how this accountability will be doled out because i have a feeling that maybe the idea of accountability is like more in vogue now than it might have been in 2006 i i, I don't know i just I, I i wondered if the cultural climate now was such that the idea of of accountability and a superhero registration act would be more popular because I'm very surprised to hear that I'm I'm on an island with my with, with my team Tony take. I uh, I get your team Tony take though, because in the comics, like he's so Tony is so good natured. In a way, I guess, like he's he's very. Um like he really believes in like his ideas that he's like making the world a better place. And he's got like, he tries to like every opportunity he gets, tries to explain like, well, this is like how we're like addressing all of these problems that you have with this. Right. And like, I like, I see him more sympathetic in the comics than in the movie or in the movie. He's just like, you killed my daddy. Now I'm changed. Now I'm just mad. Like, well, and I think his, his thrust in the comics of like, we need to sign on to this early so that we can find a middle ground before they come up with even more draconian measures. Right. Like, I think that's a persuasive argument for a lot of people like, Oh, it's going to get really bad. So let's, you know, let's uh, concede some of our rights to a middle ground. And then we can stop them from going all the way, which I think is a, a pretty popular sentiment, whether it's very realistic or not. Yeah. Um, I, I also think that it's less personal for Tony in the comics. Where yeah. he's he's more pragmatic, like you were saying, Sterling, of like he's thinking yeah. about this in many different ways. And in the movie, it is very personal for him. Right, right, right. And I think they, sorry, sorry go, go for it. I, I was just going to add the last details that they did do a good job over the course of a number of movies showing how much Stark Industries weaponry has been used over and over and over again. And there's just unlimited stockpiles of it out there. So like, I think they build up well over the course of a series of movies. The fact that like, it's not just Iron Man, the movie where he's like, oh, we got to wind down all of our, our military tech stuff. Like his weapons keep just showing up and showing up. So like that seeing that guilt build up, even if in tiny doses over several movies, I think does 
does get paid off well in um, Civil War. Um, um, David, I do think that politically, like, uh, today, I think this may have a different feel, like, comic-wise. Um, I think there might be a different opinion, but I also think, I don't know, it kind of reminds me a lot of, like, the pressures put on teachers right now. Not to get too political, <laughs> um, but, like, of of teaching everything correctly and everyone having, like, a lot of supervision of teachers without a lot of understanding of, like, their, their ins and outs. Um, and it, I kind of could see something very similar being translated to a redone version of Civil War, where, like, they're, like, it's, it's more like an individual like like everyone wants to know the decisions or like the decision tree of superheroes and have like a lot of restrictions around it. Um, right. And I could see something like that relating a lot closer to our po current political climate and more people being interested in that or like agreeing with it. Um, maybe we're just a group of people that don't. I don't know. Well, the, yeah, go for it. Dude. I, I was just going to say like the the more I think about it, um, in 2022, even in the fantasy land of comics, it seems impossible to me that any one tragedy would allow a governmental body, whether that be the U.S. Senate or the U.N., to move so quickly to pass some sweeping legislation. Oh, sure, that, sure, yeah. That, that, that like, anything could could change. And, and, and so I'm, I'm beginning to wonder, like, what if, what if a more current adaptation required like certain certain heroes may, maybe tony or whatever to like be actively campaigning for for these changes b basically they become like some of the uh, i don't know catalysts or authors of of this superhero registration act yeah, i don't know well and to to circle back to kind of our earlier discussion about like um, art style and just the general societal or cultural nouveau that exists around the stories. For me, one of the things in the film that is kind of interesting, why it is easy to cement my position on Captain America's team is that if you think about the proposal that underlies the Sokovia Accords, I think um, it's the, the Secretary of Defense, I want to say, in the... Um, the Secretary of State. Maybe. Okay. Now I'm going to Google it. You keep talking. Well, they definitely call him the secretary, Mr. Secretary. So when the secretary shows up to uh, um, describe the Sokovia Accords, he talks about how there will be a UN panel that's basically going to review action, um, give yeas and yeas or nays. And it's really interesting. It's impossible for me to watch that segment and to see historically looking back over time as the UN security council with its seat positions given to Russia, for instance, um, attempt to tackle security issues over decades, but because of members who have, um, uh, permanent positions on that council and have a veto requiring unanimous votes, right? So any one veto can totally tank, um, an issue. It's just, it's, it's too difficult for me to imagine 
even like separating myself, like suspending my disbelief as hard as I can, there's no way for me to look past the Mr. Secretary's uh, descriptions here of how the Avengers are going to operate and see anything with a semblance of um, uh, heroics. Like the politi- politicization of even UN leadership um, makes it, I think, well, it makes it easy for me to see, as Roger says um, in several points, that like what happens when they decide there's a fight that we need to go be part of that we don't think is actually just. And what happens when there's a fight that is just, they won't allow us to be a part of. It's definitely that last one that has permitted or that has prevented a lot of um, uh, action in support of um, or against certain tyrannies over decades by the UN security council. Uh, So, so re recentering the stories in this day and age, I think aside from just the society level, probably also brings with it a lot more institutional mistrust, right? So I think that kind of maybe balances the, like, people want accountability, but at the same time, trust institutions less these days. Mm. And so I think it maybe balances the ship. I think it would make for a really interesting modern rewrite to be, to figure out, like, how much do people actually support some big government entity controlling all of the superheroes given what we've seen about how governments are operating these days so two Um, two things off of that number one i i'm sure it's no surprise to anybody but comics are very political often yeah and so i have a feeling nothing comes to mind but i have a feeling that all of the issues we talked about i'm sure there are comics that someone has written related to while while not necessarily a civil war against it i'm sure you could find something that that talks about these sort mm-hmm. of things and number 2 davis would it surprise you that in 2016 marvel launched civil war 2 to capitalize on the the movie captain america civil war oh interesting it is Ryan. not what you think it is though would would it surprise you to find that Marvel continued their capitalization by creating an illustrated edition of the Civil War uh, <laughs> novelization, which was also released in 2016? <laughs> and it worked. This is, Wait, uh, this is the best bit of this whole. <laughs> OK, so so I, I I I couldn't find a good place to put this, but I had like I have to mention that there are a few gut wrenching, like, ho- like shoehorned in lines. Like, uh, Iron Man was promising Spider Man that if he joined, uh, that, that that if he joined the Avengers, he, uh, his his health insurance would be better than that Obamacare that he currently has. Uh, the Human <laughs> Torch derisively called someone a hipster. It, it it's just like so. I mean, like, what's wrong with that? Teeth, teeth clenchingly <laughs> of the time, like of that immediate moment. <laughs> yeah, that <it> hurt yeah. Me. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, well, it feels like maybe we should talk about the movie. 
can I can I that. can I give a brief synopsis on Civil War Two real quick? Oh yes, please. Oh, yes, please do. An inhuman, uh, with the ability to see the future, sees Miles Morales killing Captain America. <laughs> Captain America, oh. Captain Marvel, believes that Miles Morales should be arrested, while Iron Man believes that he should not, and that is what causes the uh, the contention. Interesting. What? What? I read it. It was. I thought it was pretty good, but I know that the uh, cynicism of the internet disagrees with me once again. <laughs> um, well, um, let's segue to the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm gonna start the summary, and then I shall pause pretty quickly. Um, so we open on Bucky. As Winter Soldier being woken up, he then hits a car with his motorcycle and takes what to me looked like mystery juice pouches, which is what I'm going to refer to them as, out of the car. Um, That's <laughs> true. Then, yeah. And now we are with the current day present Avengers team on a mission, um, and they are going to get this stolen bio weapon. Um, and, um, okay, you know what, I'll pause there. Any, any thoughts about, like, those opening scenes with the, the new team, um, or Bucky? First bit of trivia I have for you. Okay. The scenes with the Winter Soldier on his motorcycle, including the, uh, chase scene where he's running through the road and then jumps on him grabs a guy off a motorcycle and stuff none of that was cgi that was all real Please. bucky did all his own stunts was it actually sebastian stan uh i believe so that's I pretty dope look for it and verify that though this is according to uh imdb trivia so <laughs> mm. even even the part where he grabs the motorcycle and spins it around in the air i and gets that, on it. <laughs> i think that is what they were uh referring what, to what was, they were implying that was Oof. the scene that was all real he did all that stuff i don't wow. know if he really pushed a guy off but <laughs> uh, 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 okay that that's that that sounds really impressive until you remember that he has an arm that's completely made of vibranium that's then... true it becomes a little less impressive. That's true. Seb right. Sebastian, these days, is just going around with his metal arm, you know? Here's yeah. what it says. No CGI was used during the highway chase scene when Bucky commandeers a moving motorcycle from under its rider. The whole wow. stunt was practical. Uh, sorry. The whole stunt was practical. I mean, I bet... 303 of 306 found this interesting. Wow. I'll say. I mean, I bet they just rigged up a really cool wire system to... Yeah. Stop yeah. the motorcycle. That's pretty dope. That's pretty dope. What 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 was the like ratio on that? Uh, three oh three out of three oh six. Okay, three <laughs> people are very hard to impress. <laughs> Seriously. To be they're, fair, they're, they're, they're most playing of, coy. Most of them are in the thousands, and so this was it's near the top of the list because I think it's got a high percentage, but mm. not not as many people are interacting sure. with that. Sure. Uh, to, to your question, Corey, about any comments in these intro sections, I do, this is where my pre-show mention of a 
tangent uh, could come into play. So um, we'll we'll see if that mm-hmm. plays out here. But I think it's interesting to compare this intro fight scene to a lot of what takes place in the comics where as we went over in our summary, um, oh, remind me, Ryan, the, or anybody, the name of um, the gentleman who's giant who gets shot through the chest by Thor's hammer lightning. That is Giant Man. Otherwise giant Man, okay. Bill Foster. Bill Foster, that's He's right. He's played by Morpheus so, in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh! oh okay, okay. I forget what um, his name is. Cowboy Curtis. What's his real name? <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne? Yes, Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, so he dies. Uh, Cyborg Thor dies. Um, I mean, a lot of innocent people also die. Um, any other superheroes? Um, does Namorita die because she's right next yes. to the? Yeah, yes. Namorita and also the Speedball, I think. They they all die, right? All of them. Mm. Okay, all the new Avengers, possibly, or the new Warriors. Sorry, um, the two villains that uh, the Punisher smokes. Um, okay, so there's like a few people, but in contrast, in this opening sequence, um, and this this leads to a broader a broader point here is we see some of the some of the um, heroes here in the Avengers. Their main shtick is not punching people, right? Sam Wilson whacks people with his wings and kicks them acrobatically, which is really cool. But his main shtick is he has two Uzis that flip out and he shoots people. Um, you know, there's uh when they're gathering the uh um the 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 bioweapon right at the end when uh, Black Widow has this guy at gunpoint, Red Wing, I think that's uh Falcon's uh a uh, um, little drone comes in and shoots one guy and uh, the guy holding the sample and then Black Widow shoots the other guy in the head. So there's like some scenes of distinct, realistic, to be honest, modern, um, well, to some extent realistic, um, modern violence, shall we say. Uh, Iron Man shoots missiles that blow people up. Uh, so does so does Falcon. Like there's there are plenty of instances of... Um, like actual kind of modern violence taking place. And I was, it's striking to me as a person coming from the MCU and going back and reading the comics and you see like the Punisher just straight up shoot these two um, uh, villains, which I think we can agree. It's like, well, they were trying to join the team. If anything, they were turning themselves in, not, not uh, being directly threatening. So him like smoking them like that is, is um, pretty awful. But um yeah, Captain America almost almost obliterates him uh, just with his fists and stuff. Um, the dichotomy between, you know, one death, Bill Foster's death, just stunning the people, um, all the, the superheroes fighting, compared to, obviously he's a hero, so right, the story's going to treat his death as, as really important, but a lot of people are just killed generally in the movies, and I think that's probably because it would strain credulity to think that all these superheroes were just like beating up people all the time. But it leads me to kind of a broader topic in the MCU versus comics um, 
discussion, which is like the level of violence that we suspend our disbelief for. And that doesn't have to be like you know, taken to its gruesome extreme, but like to what extent are we okay with just Captain America punching a bunch of people unless we think, oh, maybe they're still alive as opposed to like, they're probably all dead. Um, except the ones we see rolling around on the ground. Uh, it's just an interesting, interesting thing that I've thought about for years as a, a viewer of the MCU and more specifically in recent Disney plus shows have seen the almost, almost unwillingness to actually kill people has stood out to me, like has almost pulled me out of, um, you know, how many times is Hawkeye going to shoot somebody and they get like knocked to the ground because he didn't actually like, you yeah. know, dispose of them. The, I don't know the, if anybody else has any like thoughts or has thought about that topic. Um, I'd, I'd be really interested to hear any thoughts about I, that. I, so I, I'm always caught off guard when I see Captain America and Hawkeye or, uh, excuse me, um, Falcon in action. And like, I have to remember that they're veterans and I think that they see the enemy in different terms than, than than some of the other heroes, but just they have no compunctions whatsoever with, as you said, like Falcon just pulling out his Uzis or whatever. Whereas, uh, I don't know, Scarlet Witch is like using her fizzy magic to like, I, I don't know, throw sand in their eye or whatever, uh, or, 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 or even like a so-called trained assassin like Black Widow is always looking to stun, not kill. Uh, she she has her little uh, wrist wrist rocket things that uh, that that shoot out electricity, and she she's always uh, disabling and you know d disarming her opponents. Uh, you 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 never see her just unload a clip into someone's chest. And I appreciate the um, I, 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 I appreciate the fact that the three of or that that the two of them like. Honor their their past and their upbringing, uh, but it's it's kind of weird, just I don't know, I, I I read a lot of Batman comics and like that, that's like his one big thing is I don't kill Sure, uh, sure. I, I read a lot of Daredevil and that like that's another one of his big things. I, I don't kill. Um, or if I do, it sends me into a tailspin. But then, you know, <laughs> Captain America. Is totally fine with uh, volleying the grenade that's been sent his way right back at the enemy and letting them live with the consequences. And. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's weird. Uh, like it 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 takes me out of it sometimes. But I think to to not allow them uh, that right would would fly in the face of like how they came upon their their powers or specific skills. Yeah, yeah. And I think like in the comics, it's for me just my my personal experience it's way easier for me to suspend my disbelief on those issues where in the midst of this huge battle as captain america is looking around and the city's like there's buildings just on fire and there's this devastation he agrees to give up the fight 
mm-hmm. uh, we assume that like none of the superheroes are have been killed. They've just been destroying tons of stuff. And like, right. I, I think a lot of us are willing to roll with that in a way that doesn't translate super well to the screen. Yeah. I, I do want to say real quick um, that I actually think the MCU is much more explicit with violence and killing people. And I do believe we're supposed to believe that they are killing people and that these are like mini wars they're fighting, especially in the Iron Man movies, mm-hmm. Iron Man three, especially where he's trying to escape with his home alone, home alone style toys yeah. that he built. And he he's clearly murdering those people. Or yes. I guess murdering is the word it, they. He's he's defend. You know, I yeah. think yeah, he's he's killing in people, co- In contrast to that, though, I was rewatching a little bit of Age of Ultron, and as they break into the base in Sokovia at the beginning, like Captain America bursts into the control room and shoots a bunch of like mini rockets at the staff in there. The the, the should have killed everybody, but they're all just like rolling around groaning on the floor afterwards. You know, so there's like mm, yeah. they they pull they pull the punch back, yeah, re- pretty regularly. It, it does seem like they're they're trying to make it less killy, yeah. Uh, which I I kind of always appreciate the superheroes who are like I will never kill, because I will never be a superhero. But I feel like I would feel the same way. <laughs> I could never like. I could never cross that line in my mind. Uh, and so, like, to me, it is something that is, like, redeemable. Whereas, like, so it's it's harder. Uh, I guess the, the example I want to bring up that I thought was the most ridiculous uh, was the video game Batman Arkham Knight where you get control you finally get to control the batmobile in a more significant way than in the other games of that series and batman as davis <laughs> it's a main <laughs> gameplay mechanic in it uh batman obviously he is the biggest like no kill superhero but as you're driving around the streets of gotham the game lets you run into people. And there's also a part in the game where you're interrogating someone and Batman uses the wheel of the Batmobile and like revs it across some guy's head and like smashes it, smashes it against the head until the guy talks. And they play all of this off by saying, oh, when you run into a guy, it's just stunning them. They're electrocuted and but like you're clearly hitting them with such a force that it's really hard to suspend your disbelief in that moment that you are not just running over a bunch of random guys. Sure, sure. And I I do feel like if you're going to you've got to either be all in or not all in. Like Wolverine's character is he he feels that there is a time and place to kill. And I feel like they do a better job of like selling that because he's all in in that philosophy. Uh, whereas like Spider-Man, especially in the comics, like 
he tries as hard as he can not to kill people, but it's just unfortunate that people die around him because his, like, he he's in the wrong place or the wrong time or something like that. But, like, mm-hmm. he's trying not to get, like, he is not killing anybody. And so, like, I, I think that I like when they go all in on all that stuff. But it is weird in the MCU where they're like, we want to make it look like we're killing, but we're not always killing. And I I agree that I think there are, you know, Captain America, I think is a good one. Like in world war two, right. He had a gun or at least, you know, harking back to that, at least in propaganda shots, it was shot, but I'm casting my mind back to that film of yesteryear. I believe he does just actually have a gun and that's wartime, right? So different, different setting, um, which could be enough for folks, but I can see how he's transitioned more to, um, we might say that nobler perspective, um, not to like take anything away from like Falcon or Iron Man's approach, but that point in the comic where Maria Hill is like, I was talking to somebody and at what point does Spider-Man, you know, have his, uh, his hands around Osborne's throat, three Osborne's throat three times a year. And, um, they throw him in jail and then he gets out and he kills a bunch more people. At what point is it Spider-Man's fault? I think that that's a really compelling thought in terms of how many people the heroes fight and don't end up, you know, ending, um, which I think the MCU has handled fine because it doesn't have nearly as many repeat villains in the way that, again, I haven't read a ton of comics, but I know in general that it's, principle that they do often come back so i think that issue comes up a lot feels like it would come up a lot more in the comics fair but anyway a great i know it's a big big tangent so great anyway tangent. um on to the next scene <laughs> <laughs> um, moving forward in the movie we have a very interesting looking young tony stark who is reliving <laughs> a memory um, and then it's revealed that that normal Tony is showing off some cool tech to MIT, and then he kind of grants everyone's projects with this new foundation. And oh no, he was going to announce that Pepper was running it, but she's absent um, ominously. But yay, we get to see the dean from Community be adorable. Um, and then in the hallway. There's kind of this like almost haunting woman who is just standing there and she blames Tony for murdering her son in Sokovia. Okay, pausing there. um, Directly pulled from the comics. What? Directly pulled from the comics. Yes, yes. And I I feel like it's really interesting because this one feels... Um very much like it is Tony's fault. Like in the comics, part of me is like, it's not super like their fault that this, you know, some of these things happen. It's not everyone's fault. It's a hundred percent Tony's fault. Sokovia. Oh, <laughs> I'm serious. How, how it's is a, it Tony's fault? How, and huh? yeah. go, go for it, Corey. Yeah. I, I'm just going to say he made, um oh now i can't remember its name ultron ultron he made ultron because of his hubris um sneakily 
And I think I blame him. You, yeah, you see, I'm Bruce Banner. Mm. Uh, mm. Not as much. Well, okay, if you blame him at all, it can't be 100%. Okay, I, a little bit free of blame Bruce Banner, but you're right, 80% Tony. You're going to see in this movie that I really dislike Tony. I oh my gosh! I can't believe I'm gonna be on this island again. No no no! I I'm with you on the I'm with you on this one, Davis. Okay. I I just I li- literally I I paused the movie and rewound and rewound it so that I could uh say so, so so that I could write down. She said you murdered him in Sokovia. He's dead, and I blame you. And then I said, that is really unfair. Like, she can blame him, but to say that Tony killed her son is wild. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm with you on that. I think Boom. that... Corey I think it. that... <laughs> <laughs> I, so, from just a logistic standpoint, do people know that Tony's responsible? Tony and Banner are responsible for Ultron? Because if they don't, and I... That they might not. How in the world could they pin the blame for Sokovia on them? Now, morally, I think it's very troubling that their hubris brought Ultron into existence, and um, he's the one who raised this giant city. You know, the the city was going to wipe out the Earth by hurtling it into the ground. But um, the notion that the Avengers weren't going to break up the city and yes, unfortunately kill a bunch of people, but to save the world, uh, you know, I'll admit yeah. to being kind of a, a, uh, um, a, a do what you must to save humanity sort of supporter. And the, the storylines of like, you killed this one person just to me or like, sorry, you're on the, I, I can't be on your side of this argument because you're saying, you wish your son would have survived and instead everybody on earth would have been killed by this inter atmospheric meteor. Like I get that you're grieving. And so I don't, I don't blame this mother of course for expressing those thoughts, but for Tony, who's super smart to let it work on him as it does. Um, to me feels like one, it's cool. I think it's the human element of him. So I, I totally get that. But also I would think the, futurist in him would see the bigger picture of like well we had to in order to save the world unfortunately for me it does circle back to well he's kind of to blame for ultron so i'm like on your side davis but also i do put a lot of the blame still on him and banner all right sterling has convinced me and i i agree i don't think people know about the uh, like their their fault so yeah i agree a lot with that um, I just hate Tony in this movie. Corey, are you ready to be as angry with me as you probably have ever been in your life? Oh no. Say I it. blamed I blamed Scarlet Witch for <gasps> Ultron. Ooh. How dare you? Who no. why 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 did Tony want to put a suit of armor around the world? Because Ooh, he saw the vision that really Scarlet good. Witch put into his head. Ooh dang. That's nope. really good. Nope. Davis, we will never blame Scarlet Witch for anything she does. She just let her rage. She's doing okay. How dare you? You know I have weird, not um, 
not morally correct opinions about Scarlet Witch. Wanda was evil before she even knew what the Darkhold was. No. She created one of Marvel's most devastating villains. Second only to her. (laughs) Ryan, Ryan, while you were gone temporarily, and I blew your cover just to catch you up. uh, (laughs) The episode of Blown Cover. (laughs) I my name, I, my I name have is gotten Ryan so... Speakman. Oh, <laughs> we're coming I, for you, Corey. I I I I have gotten so entrenched on my opinion that Tony is not to blame for Ultron <laughs> that I have pinned it all on Scarlet Witch because she put the vision in his head that made him create Ultron, <laughs> angering Corey. So I'm going and... to springboard off of this and ask another question. What do you guys think of? the differences between the movie and the comic where this being a big one, Scarlet, Witch is the inciting incident for the, uh, the Sokovia Accords where in the comic it was the new warriors. Um, it's really interesting. The volume of like, this incident feels so much smaller than a anything yeah. that has happened in any other movie and also what happened in the comic. Like this is such a tiny comparatively moment to strike something like this. It just feels very strange. I, uh, yeah, so like when when Thunderbolt Ross comes in and kind of talks to them about the Sokovia Accords, which by the way just a quick aside. How long are they going to keep Red Hulk waiting in the wings? We need to see him. Okay. <laughs> moving on. I um, I would like to comment that on that as well. When are they going to bring anyone else from the Hulk movie with Edward Norton? Dude, I guess they brought uh, Abomination back now. Yeah, Tim Tim Roth is going to be in She-Hulk. Uh okay, but my 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 point is like uh, Secretary Ross says, like, and he is Secretary of State. You were right, Corey. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, he, he says, New York City, Washington, D.C., Sokovia, and Lagos. I, I mean, that, I, I, I don't want to make light of any of those, even though they're all fake. Uh, but, like, I mean, that, that, that yeah, would... that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think, I think, where my mind was going is I was going to try and think of like four real life examples where I don't want to go. Sure. Uh, but yeah, you know, it ba- ba- basically like three of the worst tragedy. Well, I don't know a few of the worst tragedies in human history. And also the Chicago fire of 1901. Like all of them are terrible, yeah. but yeah, clearly. <laughs> well, and that's, I, I don't know. That's where I wonder to what extent. And I think the film does some work towards this narrative that the fact that a few Wakandans were present and you see T'Challa on TV being like, these heroes hold themselves above international, you know, um, I think that that lends extra weight to what otherwise would be, you know, kind of gruesomely by body count, not as, not as devastating an event, you know, yeah. All all human life losses is terrible, but, um, I mean, 
that is another good point is i guess it's not the inciting incident isn't really scarlet witch it's uh zemo blowing up the uh un meeting yeah mm, yeah well, i mean like the that happens after like as the sokovia accords are being voted on yeah signed. so or yeah voted on um should should I just run through this summary really quick, or should we do? You want to just talk yeah. about things? Should we just go rogue? Give it. Give us a brief summary. Okay. Okay. So big highlights. We have Zemo, who honestly, okay, I'm gonna have lots of thoughts on, but he, yeah, blows up the accords I just wish and. Danced more. <laughs> <laughs> um. In and... that styling jacket. <laughs> Okay, before that, the Avengers are kind of arguing. Just of, ignore us, what Corey, by the way. Just barely. Yeah, just, right? just barely. <laughs> um, they, they're, they're debating are we going to do this? Are we not? Um, and their choices are basically sign or retire. Um, and then Bomb goes off and Captain America decides to go rogue and kind of creates a split team. Um, some people are going to be no, <laughs> no oversight. Other people are pro oversight led by Tony. Um, we, we have T'Challa who kind of separately vows to kill the bomber who everyone believes to be Bucky and, uh, Cap kind of goes to save Bucky and we have some fun fight scenes and then T'Challa Bucky, Cap, and um, Sam are all captured. And then Zemo, am I? Um, yeah, he breaks Bucky out secretly. And then I'm, I'm, I'm scanning through, like, I have, like, pages of summary because <laughs> I was so into this. And I'm just, like, trying to scam through really fast. Um... And then we find out, oh no, everyone realizes that Zemo is the bad guy and Tony's like, what have I done? And then everyone meets um, and fights. No, this is before that. Oh my gosh, I'm so all over the place. You're good, you're good. Okay, I want to take a break at one point to just say helicopter scene and I would like Davis to talk. Okay, really quick. If we're going to yeah. go into oh. the helicopter scene... I just want to know, let you guys know, on the IMDb trivia page, ninety <laughs> percent of the trivia items are about this scene. Well, wow. so what? Much. What a scene! It, Oof. <laughs> maybe ninety percent is stretching it, but like every other one, I'm like, all right, I get it. I'm okay. an inferior man. So, I. I watched two movies this weekend. I watched Civil or I, I I watched Civil War, but before watching that, I watched Top Gun. One of the things The new one or the old one? The old one. Okay. I saw the new one today. Very good. Um but the old one, what one of the things that really caught me off guard was the persistent homoeroticism and how 
in in practically every briefing where they were talking about either what planes they would be flying, what would be asked of them, or e- even just like going through some of the technical discussions of what was on the plane. Every single time one person when being briefed on these details would say, man, I'm getting a hard on just thinking about this. And I had to stop myself from quoting Top Gun (laughs) when watching the helicopter scene in Civil War. I, 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 I can't explain it. What's that? I said, I was wondering where you were going with these Top Gun. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was so worth this story. (laughs) It it was, it it, it was a long trip, but we, we made it. Um, Chris Evans, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he like dislocated his shoulder doing that shot or whatever, but you're like, you're, you're like, holy cow, this is good. And then he flips the grip and you're like, holy cow, I'm getting a hard on (laughs) (laughs) just that, just that flex as he's like, oh, so see, it's unreal. Here's I have the go ahead. Sally. I have the oh, I was just gonna say I have the scene up right now, and it is it is hair raisingly like intense. Mm-hmm. So it, there's there's something very patriotic about how he flexes uh, the helicopter back down onto the platform. Here's the Joe Ru- Joe Russo comment on it, and then I'll give you the Chris Evans comment on it. So Joe Russo said the most powerful shot of the film was Steve Rogers stopping a helicopter from taking off with his bare hands. The shot was featured in the first teaser trailer for this movie. Uh, Russo said Chris Evans worked very hard in the gym to physically embody the character because they wanted to test the limits of Steve's physical strength. About the shot itself, he noted, On set, we had Chris straining against a crane holding a helicopter to get this fantastic shot of his muscles bulging, and you can feel the energy and determination as he tries to stop it. I'll say. (laughs) And then Chris Evans said, that was really my arm. And you know what? I took a page of Anthony Mackie's book. When we were doing Avengers Age of Ultron for certain scenes, I worked out just before the take, but there were a bunch of scenes where I was the only one out of the cast doing it. And I'd be embarrassed and feel shame. So I didn't do it that often. And then we started Civil War and Mackie has no shame. Before each take, Mackie was curling weights nonstop. I thought, yeah, what are you doing, Chris? Just curl some weights. Who cares? I'm not going to worry about 20 people judging me as opposed to 200 million people seeing that seeing the scene forever. So before the helicopter scene, I lifted a lot of weights to get pumped. It's not like I woke up and looked like that. That was me lifting weights for hours on end prior to filming that scene. There certainly was a lot of yeah, pressure. <laughs> I was fully aware of what they wanted that shot to be. I wanted that shot to be great too. I know that was that I feel like leading up to this scene, I actually thought that Cap was maybe not as large as he is in other movies. I was like, I remember this movie being like, holy crap, he's so big, but it didn't feel like he was. Um, and I kind of feel like that's because they properly fitted his t-shirts. His shirts were not bulging. Like yes, they that's actually a thing. Yeah, <laughs> that is. Yeah, uh... and then all of a sudden the scene, and you're like, oh my gosh. 
Would you I like a uh, the IMDb trivia on the t-shirts? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> uh, costume designer Judiana Makovsky revealed that for all Chris Evans scenes where he is, he is in regular outfits, they purposefully made him wear t-shirts, which are many sizes smaller than his actual size, <laughs> so that his muscles pop on camera. Everton said all of his t-shirt scenes are scheduled at the start of the filming because he loses a lot of weight over the months it takes to film a Marvel movie. He said especially especially filming that action scenes or the action scenes wearing the Captain America suit makes him lose a lot of his size. Oh, mm-hmm. probably so much water weight he just sheds like Oh yeah. Sweating that thing <laughs> for months. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think there's uh, like soaking wet by the end of <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the smell. David, really yeah, changed the segment oh, from like oh Corey talks about men's bodies to Davis just like Heinz <laughs> after men's bodies or something. <laughs> Can I? So I think there's something very um, uh, avatarish in this scene where, like, is. I think there's a bit of distance between like the viewer and Tony Stark and how much of a genius he is and how he's got all this great technology. Um, Ant-Man shrinks down super tiny or grows super big. Um, Spider-Man flies through the air on webbing and can climb on ceilings and stuff. Um, I think there's something that the average viewer, maybe, you know, uh, maybe I should stick to my viewing experience, but there's something that like one captain America is this very like morally righteous sort of guy. And I think that's, I think it's, uh, um, that draws a lot of people into his persona, but also him just like being super strong and willing with his physical form, this helicopter back down and just gritting through it. I think there's something that a lot of people, like, I think it really just, yeah, makes our, your hair stand on end because you're like, that is so sick. I can see myself in that action of like willing the villain in the moment, not the overarching villain, but the villain in the moment being captured in this like really physical way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one other thing about the scene that really gets me is after Cap just like uh, grabs the helicopter. Bucky grabs him and like pulls him down with the helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like such an an incredible comparison. Uh, okay, so one thing, like, I, 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 I've I've done a lot of bit on this helicopter scene, but one thing that I want to ask is, or I guess suggest. So he he pulls the helicopter down and like stops Bucky, but then immediately is confronted with a bunch of spinning blades. I they they would never do this, but I would be so interested in a what if episode of Steve getting decapitated by the helicopter there. <laughs> um, and 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 I know and that like Watu exclaiming, "That's gotta hurt." <laughs> <laughs> Yowza. <laughs> um. I I just like if if Steve dies there, I mean, obviously that would suck. But like, 
do the court do do the accords get signed like what what happens in this pivotal moment it, it do you you know what i mean like i mean i'm i'm assuming that um that bucky kind of never gets his redemption arc but beyond that uh zemo probably isn't able to pull the avengers apart the way that he does uh i'm 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 assuming that many of the avengers kind of fall in line or maybe not i don't know i just thought it would be int- interesting fodder for a what if episode absolutely be. yeah yes well after this beautiful scene um we have the next big fight scene where leading up to it we have more people brought onto each side um and Specifically, I'm thinking of Spider-Man being recruited on Tony's side and Ant-Man being recruited on and Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch on um, Captain America's side. And then I, we have I, the fight scene. Yeah, I, I didn't know that we were allowed to bring supervillains into this fight. I thought this was just for the heroes. Davis, <laughs> Scarlet Witch is an entity unto her own and can do no wrong. I mean, the vision is kind of good. <laughs> it's just trying to hark back to the actual arc in the comics, right? Where they had some villains show up on mm, both sides. Mm. Uh, except Scarlet, which is no, it's perfect. So uh, I'm going to pause this right here. Yeah. And here I'm going to pose the question again. Uh, but, well, instead of pose the question, I'm just going to say what I think. I think they did a really good uh, job of adapting the comic book to the MCU. And I, I think they did a good job in the sense that, like, in the same way that there's Superman Red Sun, which is Superman if he landed in Russia instead of uh, America, like, they they don't try to completely adapt the storyline, but take the characters and how in the what if sense that you were saying, uh, uh, Davis, where like we've already seen these characters grow in a different way than they did in the comics. And they've taken the important beats of, um, the comic book where it is, Tony versus Cap. You do have an inciting incident. You do have these uh the accords are very similar to the Registration Act, where essentially they boil both down to we're working with the government or we're working against the government. And in a similar way, they they can't say, let's reveal Spider-Man's identity but they can say, let's introduce Spider-Man. And I think they do that in a great way. The one that is a little more, uh, less like the comics is Black Panther, which I am glad they brought him in because he's such a cool character. Oh, yeah. But he doesn't really play as big of a role in the comic book uh, of Civil War, where he they do ask him, he kind of says it's not his fight, and then ends up joining... Uh, I forget whose side he joins at the end of the comic, but he does join one of the sides. Um, but I think they do a really good job of all of this. 
Um, and even though they can't exactly match the comic, I think they match it in a really cool way where the comic book nerds can say like, Oh, that's, that's how they did this part of the comic while still doing their own thing at the same time. Uh, black black panther joins the the secret avengers so the people who are okay, against so the registration yeah. act yeah um also another bit of trivia if we're talking spider-man uh did you guys know robert downey jr at one point dated R- marissa tomei in like the 90s God. how interesting hilarious i believe um, it he he had one too many hot ant jokes. Like almost all of them are funny, but there was just like one too many. <laughs> um also, I feel like I was such a hater of Marissa Tomei in this casting until I saw her real age and I was like, "Oh, she's just flawless and doesn't age. It's not that they chose someone too young." Yeah, so that's another thing I've got up here is Rosemary Harris, who played it in the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, or who played her in the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, is seven. Was, yeah, <laughs> I said it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Um, She was in her 70s. Then Sally Field in the Amazing Spider-Man movies was in her 60s. And Marissa, Marissa Tomei was in her 50s. In this. And, and Peter Parker's the youngest of all the. Yeah. So I guess the, it makes sense. Spider-Man, so. Like he is what 16, 17, right? At this point. Uh um, his actual age or his age in the movie? Age in the movie. Age in the movie. Yeah, he's he's around there. 15 yeah, or 16. Yeah. And 16. then so so you can imagine his mom had him at I don't know. 30, let's say. She would have been 50s which means that she could have easily had a sister also in her 50s. Sure, sure. Like, those ages just match up. But mm-hmm. when I first saw it, I was like, this woman is like 30 years old. How dare she play an aunt? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you guys have any thoughts on the whole Spider-Man drama at the time and how this was kind of... They, they were planning on making Amazing Spider-Man 3 but they and so they told mar they told marvel that they couldn't use spider-man for this movie and then they had a falling out with andrew garfield and then canceled it and then they renegotiated the deal cast tom holland do you guys remember when all this was going down any thoughts on tom holland as spider-man so and his introduction in this movie I I thought it was a perfect introduction, um, it, it, if nothing else, just because we we kind of meet the character. Near his beginning, but without having to get a full blown origin story, uh, I don't know, like 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 a biographical origin story, uh, because I, I think that Homecoming does a pretty good job of watching like us watching Peter become Spider-Man or whatever. But um, I I really liked it. And the crazy thing is Tom Holland has been so popular as Spider-Man uh, that this may come full circle and the popularity of the Spider-Men 
may now allow for an amazing Spider-Man three. If Andrew Garfield wants it. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Especially with his cameo. Yeah. In which, which some somewhere, some somewhere out there is a home. What, no, way home. no way home. <laughs> Something I, about home. <laughs> I definitely agree, Davis. I think it was such a good cameo. Um, one of the things that I found really funny is half of the time I'm like, why are you so against uh like joining the event? I don't know. Like every time that he was like, No, it's a secret. I am not Spider-Man. I was like, Iron Man is standing in your bedroom. Why are you keeping this secret? His homemade costume was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Tony, yeah. Tony Stark ribbing him was hilarious. And it's crazy how good of chemistry they had like from the drop. Yes. Um, in so fast forwarding to the fight scene, I feel like the only thought I have of this big air strip fight scene is the cars, the throwing of the cars and all of the things they did with that felt so much more over the top than some of the other big fight scenes where like they destroy New York. For some reason, throwing so many cars was just like, and also the airplanes, all of the airplane destruction. I was like, oh, this feels a little too much. Like it was just extra intense. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, this is unnecessary. Why are we throwing cars? Um, so I feel like that kind of like heightened the the reality of of like a superhero duel. because um, it just felt so intense, even though they've destroyed buildings before. Um Yeah, that was that was my only thought on the fight scene. Anyone else? Airplane fight scene, airport fight scene thoughts? I, I, I yeah, go Oh, ahead, go ahead, Ryan. No, you first. All right. I, I just I have one little, little complaint. So I, li- I liked the fight scene in general, but the one note that I took is Peter Parker would absolutely know that the battle in Empire Strikes Back took place on the planet Hoth and he would know the name of the ATAT. He 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 and Ned build a Lego Death Star together. Yeah, that, yeah. that costs like one point five billion dollars. <laughs> so no, like, no I, one invests in that kind of Lego without <laughs> exactly. He he I, only just got it after they watched it for the first time. Uh, <laughs> it he, is. He's like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, I I mean I I totally get you. Like it it played. I remember it playing really well for laughs. It, um, I you know knew it was coming this watch and um, had like a chuckle you know in my head, um, right. but it is like, could we imagine a sixteen year old is like, I I don't know anything about an old movie called Star Wars. I mean, to be fair, he did know, he just didn't know the name That's of the ATAT, <sighs> which yeah, I mean, I I could ask a lot of people in my family what. It is called, and I don't think they would know that either. Mm. Mm. Weebs. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is. Right. 
uh, yeah let's yeah i i just love that even though ant-man had just happened they brought in ant-man and they brought mm-hmm. in every possible avenger except for hulk and and thor but we learn what what they're up to later so they can't bring in mm-hmm. everybody but i i thought the teams were well balanced and i liked watching them i feel like this is kind of a breath of fresh air compared to Age of Ultron of like oh yeah the Avengers like they work well or like they've got good quips together and stuff like that where i feel like Age of Ultron kind of lost sight of that and was a little hokier and this one kind of brought it back mm-hmm. to like yeah they're all together fighting even though it's each other my overarching thoughts, one of the things I wrote down at the very end was, I think this is the best ensemble movie, at least so far, where the jokes were all landing for me. Um, I feel like their their back and forth felt really natural. And I think the the individual characters all got pretty good development and moments. And it didn't feel like anyone got like really lost. And yet the plot still moved forward really well. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I loved it. I, I agree. And to reference uh, so off that and also what Davis said earlier, I think not only is this a good intro to Spider-Man without having a ton of exposition, I think it was a pretty great intro to Black Panther without mm-hmm. a ton of exposition. Just so that's like a double whammy there as far as, um, like bringing in new characters that we get this taste of and then we're like, Ooh, I'm excited to uh see this person's actual like real um debut in mcu yeah um well let's i I know we've been talking for a really long time so let's fast forward to the end (laughs) because there are two really (laughs) big things that i want to talk about um so we we finally get a semi-repentant tony who who goes to like the prison because everyone but Bucky and um, Cap have been arrested and put in an underwater prison. And um, yeah, Tony is finally repentant and moves forward and goes to help them because he realizes that Zemo is the real villain in the end. Um... Oh, I have a question. Did we lose everybody? I'm still here. Okay. I, I, I'm... Do we lose okay. a twist where we re- realize that Zemo is oh, not trying okay. to work? Um, yes, we did. lost you. We lost you for a bit, Corey. Oh, well, I'm just rambling. Well, that's <laughs> that's Captain America: Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Continue. I, uh... Tony realizes Zemo's the real bad guy. Oh, yes, and and then we get a fun twist where we realize that what we thought was happening was Zemo trying to awaken these super team of winter soldiers. He actually killed them. And his whole plot all along was just to just destroy the Avengers to get vengeance and create infighting, which honestly was just like chef kiss, such a good plot. I just, I love the diabolicalness of that. Um, And then he reveals while revealing that like, this is his goal to just sow chaos that, Tony's father was murdered by Bucky, which then institutes the the really big fight. Um, 
And I, I feel like the big fight is probably what everyone's going to have a lot of comments about. So please have at it. So but before we get to the big fight, I have two questions. Uh, number one, how did Black Panther know to go to Siberia? And number two, when it, it, the, the, the first one might not have an answer. The second one does, but I don't know what it is. When did Captain America find out that Bucky had killed the Starks? Because I've, I've seen things about like, that's why he wasn't able to hold Thor, like why, why he wasn't able to hold Mjolnir in Age of Ultron. But then later, I mean, everybody's seen it, it later. He he's worthy. That's very when, interesting. Yeah, I've, do, I've never. Yeah. In in Winter Soldier comics, he gets those files about Bucky. Does that happen in the movie? So the the only time that I could think about uh, a, a, like a, a, a time when Steve might have learned something that the world didn't would be when he went down into the bunker and they found the Matrix Arnim Zola, who's like basically tying the link between S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA. I'm wondering if some of those files that like flashed before our eyes uh, had footage of Bucky killing the Starks because like everything else, Black Widow put on the internet and like, you know, blew it all up. But I'm wondering if there was some stuff that was like secret uh, in that little bunker that Steve might have seen. That's very interesting. Yeah, because they had that thumb drive for quite a while. Right. Hmm. Because I don't think I don't recall at any point in the movie does do we see him specifically like reviewing a screen or like saying anything. So I think it would at best be implied. Yeah, I it does. Some guy on Quora mm. has uh, <laughs> confirmed that. Um, I'll just read it. This is from Advait Gagari. He's from <laughs> India. I might have butchered that name. Uh, in Captain America Winter Soldier, when Steve and Natasha met with the Zola's brain, they showed some pictures of how new Hydra grew like a parasite inside S.H.I.E.L.D., when Natasha asked that S.H.I.E.L.D. would have stopped it, uh, it then showed a picture of Howard Stark's death, quoting, accidents will happen. The next image shows the cause of death is classified, which means S.H.I.E.L.D. knew about his death, but wanted to keep it a secret. At the end, Natasha gives uh, a file of the Winter Soldier to, uh, to Steve, oh, saying, be careful, yeah. Steve, you might not want to pull on that thread. Here she says, uh, she says that because she knows the file contains some shady stuff about Winter Soldier, and so I think it's alluded to in that line. Yeah, that yeah. he kind of looked into Winter Soldier stuff. Quora is like my last line of defense in my battle against ignorance, uh, but <laughs> they they really pulled through on that one. For some reason, it's always in the top of the Google searches, too. <laughs> well, because they got rid of Yahoo Answers, right? Mm, yeah, that does make sense. But I'm or surprised like, it down. like it always is above Reddit posts, which I feel like 
have people who are doing a lot more introspection on these things. I I I don't want us to get too far afield, but just very quickly. You know how we talked about how like the Nova Core is basically the sum like 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 the 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 collected knowledge and consciousness of of everyone who served or, or excuse me nova prime is the collective consciousness and knowledge of everyone who served in the nova core to me on earth that is reddit like if, if reddit became a sentient like i don't know proto being that would be nova prime this is a this is one of the most frightening thoughts that I have encountered in a long time. <laughs> yeah, no. I I will say that Reddit I I don't have any shame in saying Reddit is the worst thing that's ever been invented. Wow. I <laughs> and I do feel like a worse person that I have clicked on Reddit things before. Oh man. I I like Reddit. Ooh. Tells me about deals on vinyl. Uh, <laughs> there, help, helps me set up speakers. I will say, oh, yeah. if I need to know something, Reddit is a good place to go. But I often feel dirtier after <laughs> finding the information through those means. You you sometimes have to uh, swim in the cesspool in order to uh, come up with the hidden treasure. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. You know, the the smaller a subreddit is, I think the more gold it can contain. The larger it gets, the more it attracts the the uh, the the internet screamers. But I th- I do think that Reddit will cause the next Marvel Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> I I did just want to offer some support for this theory for sure. So I have Winter Soldier up, and at the end you know natasha walks up to him as they're at uh, i think it's nick fury's grave (laughs) as nick fury's there um (laughs) and she hands him a folder and is like you might yeah you might be careful you might not want to pull on a thread and he flips open the folder and it is um a picture of bucky in the same sort of freezy tube um the same sort of cryo chamber that uh the other winter soldiers are in and you know i think it's no leap at all to assume that it's got all the details right there. So timeline wise. Yeah, that's a really interesting theory, though, about the hammer. That's very interesting. That's uh, one of my favorite parts of that movie. Is the the party at the beginning. What do you guys think of uh, Tony Stank? Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, Thank you for that. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I found it to be the perfect transition. <laughs> uh, uh, so one, uh, just like uh, 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 about the fight. So pre Tony Stank, back 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 in the world where he's still Tony Stark. Um, I found it very interesting that we learned that a concentrated blast from an arc reactor can cut a vibranium arm clear off. Uh, because uh, Winter Soldier is basically trying to kill Tony and he uses his chest blaster and it blows Bucky's arm clean off. I don't know that is, what to take from that, but that interesting. is another in the line of 
their tribute to Empire Strikes Back. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm serious about this. Oh, we really? talked about it in another one, yeah. Where the beginning of Phase Two, they start chopping off someone's arm in each movie. Interesting. And they continued it here, um, even though it is not Phase Two, and this is the beginning of Phase Three, but. Right. That it was supposed to be the idea that Phase Two was like their Empire Strikes Back. Ah, interesting. And so, cool. Iron Man Three, uh, Aldrich Killian, he gets his arm sliced off, but he's got the Extremis thing, so he. Gets oh it. yeah, yeah. Uh, grown back. I'm forgetting the other ones, but. Um, Claw. Yeah, Claw is one of them, and Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, his was brutal. Yeah. Yeah, let me... I know it was in the IMDb trivia page. Claw. <laughs> the, the true MVP. It really is. I love yeah. reading through the trivia page. I I do... Uh, I do wish I had more time because I, I do own most of these movies and I would love to go and watch commentaries and special features and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. While I, while you're did did you find it or yes, I have a comment I while do. you're looking for it? Okay. So Aldrich Killy in Iron Man Three, Bucky uh in Captain America Winter Soldier, Nebula in Guardians of the Galaxy, Ulysses Claw in Avengers Age of Ultron, Darren Cross in Ant Man. I'm pretty sure there was one in Thor the Dark World, but they didn't mention that. Um But yeah. Very interesting. Or I did. Say, oh, I did want to say the uh, start of. Well, I guess maybe it's maybe it's um just inside the cover of Civil War number seven. Um, there's that awesome full spread of all the superheroes lying around and Cap holding up his shield and Iron Man, you know, blasting from his palms. Um, that I think is is such a beautiful recreation in the film of uh, what are we uh, like just past the two hour mark, two hours and seven minutes in as they're fighting um, cap Bucky's, you know, been thrown blasted away his arms off and cap runs up with his shield and blocks it just as uh, um, Iron Man blasts out. Like that was just, it was just such a lovely homage to the, the comic there. Also, just so you guys know, our podcast episode has surpassed the time of Captain America Civil War. Okay, well, it, <laughs> it, 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 it has not yet surpassed the amount of time that I have spent reading Civil War Illustrated Edition, and I didn't even finish it. And you have to finish it. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I want to know how it ends. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious if it, it'll go into like the death of Captain America and stuff, too. There is an issue after Captain America dies of Tony start kind of like giving his monologue to the corpse of Steve Rogers, kind of saying, maybe this wasn't worth it, um, which I there. found interesting. And I, I do think that you kind of see semblance of this in the end of this movie where he kind of looks the other way when the uh, captive Avengers members 
are kind of escaping. Uh, and so I, I, and he kind of looks the other way a lot when it has to do with General Ross. And so I think this, and also the movie is called Captain America Civil War. And so I think we're meant to root for Captain America, but I don't know. I don't really have a, a thought, like an end to where I was going with that. Well, I mean, yeah, go for it, Corey. I just have a rant. So I I think Tony, like up until this point, has been so frustratingly obtuse about his own um, like guilt and kind of is like trying to put it on everyone else and um, like force everyone else to to comply because he has all of these issues and oh my gosh when he talks about how pepper and it's like it's no one's fault but also i suck and i have gone back on every promise i've ever made to her uh <laughs> anyway and then and then he's like finally like oh taking responsibility is like i was wrong and then he's like but you killed my dad even though it wasn't really you and i'm pissed and i'm gonna murder somebody today um so i can't help it tony sucks and I root for Captain America all day long. So would you say, would you say, Corey, that your opinion is biased more just from the characters rather than like the moral or philosophical issue? Or that's pretty, that's just a, uh, an addendum that you just really don't like Tony <laughs> in this film. I am always biased. I always come in hot with an opinion. Sure, sure. Got a lot of reasoning to it. Um, but I do think that... Um, I, it's like kind of side issues where I think Tony sucks in this movie a lot and I hate him, but also I think the concept that they have of the Sokovia Accords just doesn't make a lot of sense in this movie. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. But mostly I hate Tony. <laughs> um, and like, I feel like in past movies, I've kind of liked him. So, I, I yeah, I, my opinion is wavering and ever-changing and oftentimes wrong. I uh, We also didn't talk about when Rhodey falls out of the sky. Oof, because yeah. Because Vision somehow oh. gets feelings. <laughs> and then, that's a pretty brutal scene. Yeah. It is. Very brutal. That's, that's another scene where, like, that's... You look at like Rhodey versus Falcon, and you're like, "Well, Rhodey's got a whole suit, and he's got like all these weapons, and Falcon just has like wings and flies around." But seeing Falcon's ingenuity, I think it is a brutal scene. But every time it happens, I'm like, "That's pretty dope." Like he's just like, "Woo, free fall for yeah. a second, and um, throws off the targeting, I guess you know. And um, he does that one or two other times where he'll do that like little free fall to break target locks and stuff and it uh, it's always cool why so i i can't remember why why did vision miss that I, shot because he's like cradling injured scarlet witch oh okay so so it's scarlet witch's fault okay right. <laughs> i didn't remember Actually, what happens is vision is kind of like overcome mm. and kind of a bit douchebag a little bit in this movie um Oh, because like he's keeping Scarlet Witch, you know he. <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm gonna stop on my tangents. You're wrong, Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like we've got a real uh, Marvel Civil War going on right now. 
<laughs> Davis, I'm not prepared for a lawyer battle right now, but um, oh, man. yes, oh, the Civil War. Fortunately, yeah. I wouldn't be able to give you much of one, uh, but no, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I value your friendship, and so I don't want to pull on this thread uh, to the point of actually annoying you, but I am enjoying this as a device for the podcast, so hopefully we can settle on a happy medium. <laughs> Um, how dip- how diplomatic i just keep thinking of more cool parts of the movie uh so stop me whenever you guys want to but oh no yeah this is i love the scene where tony is getting beat beat up and then he's like analyzes fight patterns yeah and then it analyzes oh, all yeah. of captain america's fight patterns and then like all of a sudden he's like taking him down really fast that was so cool cool scene yeah. And then I, I I do find it harder to sympathize with Tony. Especially he's like acting out of anger and then like he gets defeated and then he's like that shield is mine. Doesn't belong to you. My daddy made that. Yeah, it it just like seems like I don't know. I don't really like it when all logic kind of goes out of characters. And, like, I know that does happen where, like, you get really emotional, but I like I like it better when it's a slower build. And I, mm. I feel like it comes a little too fast for my liking in this movie. I, I think maybe part of this is just this is a big, like, breaking point for past Tony. And yeah. I, I feel like in Ultron, there was, like, expectation that that was his breaking point. And yet now we lead to this and it's like, it just, he had to go one step further. I mean, I think we see the conflation within him of like, look at all of his weapons being used to, you know, uh, harm innocent people around the world. And then he himself is like kind of guilty for not only that, but like the, how things ended with his parents. Like he was this snarky, you know, uh, mouthing off kid and didn't really appreciate his parents until it was too late. Um, I think those two things like both overwhelm him. Like he hasn't been able to stop people from getting hurt from all, all the weapons his company has created. And he couldn't stop his parents from being killed. And here now he knows who's responsible for it. And he like fails yet again. Um, and you know, Captain America's disabled the arc reactor at the end. And he like can't even really move. And so he resorts to just being like a juvenile, right? Like he's just so, you know, I think I, I appreciate that sort of portrayal of like, he is a, an immature character. And I think we often find it harder to like identify with those people sometimes in like an archetypal or mythological sort of heroic movie. But yeah, I guess it worked for me. You make a good point. I've changed my opinion. <laughs> yeah I, I so like i i honestly had to talk to someone about a year ago who was on team captain america in this movie to explain to me like what 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 was even the merit of captain america's argument because yeah. i i i just i felt like in this entire movie he was basically saying, like, listen, 
I know that bad things have happened, but I need to save Bucky. So I'm going to just blow everything up. And that that friend explained to me, OK, well, you know, kind of as as we've discussed, like, think about what it would actually look like if there was some governmental committee that that sat and had to deploy the the the, the Avengers or superheroes to do whatever and how that could be misused. And like, you know, Captain America's got a heart of gold, but if there's a crooked leader pointing that gun uh he he could be misused or whatever blah 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 this discussion has made me realize a little bit of how um pony isn't doing it all from like a totally selfless perspective either um i i, I mean i don't know i i took it as he he kind of realized that they needed to be held in check and that that that's what he tells himself but i i think that as as the movie goes on you you see that there's still like a lot of pride and uh i don't know ego in in the decisions that he makes and yeah. That, mm-hmm. yeah that 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 comes to a head when they get to that little Siberian bunker just in in everything I, I yeah. don't care he killed my mom give me that shield that you know that's my father's you don't deserve it blah 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 and it's interesting too that he's the figurehead for that side of it given of everyone some might say he's the most immature in the end when you really grind him down as a person at least right now I think it's cool yeah. to see him grow into endgame and that's not the case anymore um but that that makes I think that's a really great observation because I think that makes it more compelling that he's like the figurehead for the side that he really ought not to be. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really striking earlier in the film when I think Secretary Ross is saying, like, do you even know where where Banner and Thor are right now? Um, if I had misplaced a couple thirty ton, thirty megaton nukes, you bet there'd be consequences. But like, I, th- I think the point that has always been persuasive for me in Captain America's argument is like the nukes themselves are just technology. They, they're not people. They're managed by giant bureaucracies of people. They don't have free will of their own. And so it's like, a, I think it's this really interesting idea that these nukes are all individuals who have their own sentience, who have their own morals, have their own humanity. And so the idea that like, they could just be turned into weapons and just pointed at problems um, without considering their humanity. For me, as a person who's always kind of like the a person's in individual inalienable rights or you know the thing that, that are important to me, that I think sways me a lot to capside. Where yeah. you know, yeah, if you misplace the nukes, like that, that would be a big deal because you're kind of in charge of them, but should you actually get to have full control over another person and tell them to not just like go to a different country and shoot them with guns, like sometimes has to happen, but like go over here and do this thing that might destroy the whole world. Or don't do something that could save the world. I think that's the one that really hurts. And 
I, I could definitely see, especially like from the cat perspective of like, he was not allowed to help and he had to go against orders in order to do any good in World War II. Um, like it just, it, I feel like it's just so visceral for him that like people's agendas within organizations are not always for the greater good. And like they could prevent you from being the the person that you need to be to to save people. The 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 only thing that can stop a bad guy with a thirty megaton nuclear warhead oh, Davis, is a good no. guy with a thirty megaton nuclear warhead. Yeah, that's a good one. I also want to oh. pose the question: What if the Hulk was a dog? <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's a nice puppy. But but was still capable of uh destroying entire towns in South America and uh and and Africa. Yeah. What it, would it depend on if the Hulk's owner was evil? Making me think of like Cerberus, like a Hades dog, the three headed giant dog in the underworld. Mm -hmm. Um, you just have to okay. trick Hagrid into figuring out the song. Yeah. <laughs> um, any other overarching thoughts on the movie or the comparison? Any last parting words? Uh, we got to talk about Spider-Man will return and Black Panther will return. <gasps> so excited. Credits. And they do. That was it. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Bucky, Bucky going back into the hyperbaric chamber uh, because. Oh, I, I, I yeah, just because the 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 little. Call sign words still worked, and so he's like, I got to get my head right. And until then, I uh, I'm going to drop out. Uh, and then there's the very cool scene where. Uh, Steve is like, you know, if they find out that we're here, they might be coming for us. And T'Challa's like, let them try. And then you just see uh, you, you, you see the foreboding um, I don't know, awe-inspiring awe landscape of Wakanda. Yeah. The subtitles say dramatic music playing. Yes. <laughs> and then the other one, Spider-Man's just in his room looking at the tech that Tony gave him. That 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 one to me is less fantastic. <laughs> dramatic music continues. <laughs> like I, I've seen the movies now, but I remember when I was in the theater being like very pumped for both of those movies. So the, the post-credit scenes did their jobs. Yes. Yes, they did. And I mean, it makes sense, right? We already touched on like, these were the two characters that got essentially their introductions here. And so yeah, like amping people up for those two things. Yeah. Well played. Well, uh, indeed. It, just like final thought, it kind of sucks that all of Cap's team like 
at the end of the movie, they're still in jail. Uh, I don't remember when they got released, but they actually the oh, very oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. yeah, sorry. They're um they're fugitives at the end of the movie, basically. Yeah, Tony. They Tony gets word from Ross that they're escaping, and he kind of ignores it. Yeah. After getting hold, the please phone. Yeah, I uh <laughs> the 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 movie that I saw like. 96 hours ago I, I i've already forgotten but yes now now i remember uh okay so they're, they're they're fugitives and that's how that works cool um i mean i was gonna say i don't have much more to say i don't know how we could this, this i i really enjoyed our conversation i thought that this was one of like uh our better um I don't know, bet better discussions. Uh, if if you're listening to this, we really appreciate you, uh, you know, trusting us and trudging through, uh, getting through the, I don't know, three hours. It, uh, we that, just hit three hours. Woo! Uh, <laughs> we did it. <laughs> um, Play this at the same time as uh, Avengers Infinity War. And it, yeah. <laughs> have it as a comment. What was that? They'll match up identically. <laughs> they will, yeah. Play- Not like we spent an hour talking about something totally different. All right, let's have it. All right, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll 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 save that for next episode. Are are there any kind of parting shots? Because otherwise, I think we can safely turn this over and uh, get ready for next episode. I have a feeling. Uh... After this episode, people will be demanding we release the Sterling cut of every episode we've done in the past. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll go back and retcon some uh, comments in between <laughs> other things people are saying. Sterling, uh, uh, we, 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 we go back in previous episodes and just re-release the episode, but at a random point in each one, Sterling comes on and says, I'm making wheat cakes. Is anyone interested in some? <laughs> no, Aunt May. They're called pancakes. <laughs> All right. Um, oh. Well, yeah, Sterling, th- this has been a ton of fun. So thank you for joining us. Um, absolute, absolute pleasure. Thank you so yeah. much for the invite. I've, I've loved it. No, we, we, we hope to have you on again soon. Uh, we again, appreciate you all listening to this episode and we'll, we hope you'll join us next time for Dr. Strange, uh, where things will get very weird and probably a little more concise. Uh, but until then we will see ya. <laughs>